Hey, this is Craig Riggs from Kind and Sasquatch, and you're listening to the Heavy Galaxy Show. Rock on. The Heavy Galaxy Show. Matt and John, we're back here with another episode here on this 4th of July week, man. And joining us today, we got a gentleman who's got to be one of the, if not the hardest working individuals in the heavy rock scene. You know him as lead singer for Austin Heavyweight's High Desert Queen. And he's also the founder and main man in charge of Ripple Fest Texas, which is, of course, one of the biggest festivals here in the United States. We've got Mr. Ryan Garney with us. What's up, Ryan? Great to see you, man. How are What's you? What's up, buddy? guys? Matt, John, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I know Matt and I have talked before, but I'm glad to have you and John involved here. It's going to be great. Absolutely, man. Yeah, no, great talking yeah. to you again, right? Absolutely, man. Well, dude, let's, uh, you know, speaking of, um, you know, I, I'm just checking out, like I said, before we came on here, the social media page, and we talked a little bit about it before here. You guys are just getting ready, close to being ready to wrap up the uh, the this the follow-up to the stellar debut there, Secrets of the Black Moon, man. So talk a little bit about, What's going on in the studio? How close are you guys coming out? And what's the plan for the new record? Yeah, we are very, very excited about uh, the new record, as we should be. But we just did a tour for six weeks and played 34 shows in 36 days. So we felt mm. pretty locked in. And as soon as we got home, we relaxed for a few days, kind of got away from each other for a little bit. You know, six weeks in the van's a long time. Oh, yeah. And then we still, still love each other, but took a breath and then, Got right back, then went right to the studio, and uh, we we had set out some pretty lofty goals. So we recorded this record at an incredible studio here uh, in Wimberley, Texas. It's a small town, just kind of north of Austin, mm-hmm. um, and it's where our my my drummer, my drummer, our drummer, Phil Hook, uh, does a lot of session work, and he works there. So we've got a good connection there, and. 37 acres, beautiful countryside, relaxing on a river, just nice. beautiful studio. But uh, we went and uh, we vowed to not record anything to a click track. No okay. punch-ins, uh, recording it live like all the old school yeah. uh, people that we admired did back in the day. And and so all our music, for the most part, is tracked. Uh, we did that in about six days. Uh, I got to go back and overdub some vocals and we'll probably overdub a few guitars here and there and maybe add some textures. But for the most part, it's uh, it's very close to being finished. And we are very excited because we've, we've been playing some of these songs live for a while, but we also got in there. And I think we just we've been playing the same songs for so long with each other to get them ready for the studio and for tour. Mm-hmm. that I don't think we've had a chance to get creative. 
And then we were in this environment that was so comfortable and so relaxing. And then we've, we've got a good idea of how each other play. We ended up writing uh, three songs from scratch, like in two days. So it was, we're really, really excited. Fantastic, man. Well, yeah, well, you just mentioned the Smoke in Dutch tour with the Mighty Fatso Jetson and uh, the Rubber State Charmers, of course, Mario Lali's uh, band. 34 shows in 36 days, man. That's yeah, that's not something that a lot of underground rock bands tend to do. That's something you hear like Metallica or someone doing back in the day, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, that's like major label, like industry machine type of stuff, man. But I mean, I, yeah, so go ahead, man. Talk about that, the experience of playing that many shows in that many days. And it's a great thing that you guys still love each other because that could definitely uh, yeah. do some damage, if, you know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and talk about that. I, I think I think that's what we kind of knew. We're like, all right, this is going to make or break us, right? So we're going to learn a lot mm -hmm. about each other in this van. But there couldn't have been a better group of people to tour with as well. Um, and it kind of just all came about. Um, I had the pleasure of, you know, putting together Ripple Fest Texas and and getting uh, Mario with Fatso Jetson last year at the Rubber State Charmers. And we kind of developed a friendship. And then he asked me uh, if Hydra's Queen be interested in playing some shows with him on our, last October out on the West Coast. And we did that. And it's almost like he was testing out. I feel like, you know, cause he's, he's the man, his, his mind's always, always moving, always thinking. And he's like, Hey, we, we, we mixed well together. We got along and we kind of started chatting about um, summer plans. And I'd already had about three weeks booked uh, for a, just a hiders at queen tour. And he was eager to get back. And he's like, what if Fatso Jetson came? And I was like, absolutely. I mean, he's one of my heroes, so I'm not about to tell him no. Uh, and of course they have a lot more clout than we do over there. So it was, it was, it was a good, uh, good optics, uh, for hydrogen at queen as well. And, uh, it ended up being just an absolutely amazing tour. I mean, obviously it's exhausting. Uh, there were times where we're like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, there's times, but, but, the, but there's, there's always those moments, but then we're pretty good about the, right after we're thinking that like, Dude, we're doing something a lot of people wish they could or yeah. or or like or like mm -hmm. man we're about to go play a small town in italy i'm just from a small town in texas i never thought i'd be doing this you know mm -hmm. so it was it was really cool to kind of keep that that perspective we were able to do that and, but i'll tell you what guys like the fatso jetson boys they they help you keep that perspective uh because they've been it they've done it all they've gone mm -hmm. big shows small shows they've toured with queens of the stone age and you know, all kinds of massive bands, you know, Tony from uh, the drummer who put drums for them and all souls, he's gone on tours with tool. And, and it's just like, you know, he, he's done big and small tours. And so it's interesting to hear kind of, we're just picking their brains, you know, the whole time and hearing them tell war stories of all the touring they've done. And it's, it was, it was awesome. And we had uh, Sean Wheeler in the van. And if you know oh, anything wow. about Sean Wheeler, <laughs> there's never a dull moment. So, uh, sure like, <laughs> yeah. And if I could just keep a tape recorder on at all times to hear the, some of the stories <laughs> that he told, that man's a fucking trip. I love it. But um, so uh, we, we, uh, we, like I said, it was, it was awesome. So, so amazing. We had some really cool highlights where uh, Desert Fest London was right out of the gate was amazing and we played this show uh obviously we played and then fatso and the jetson played the same day but fatso or mario got asked to fill in so they had somali the yacht club had to cancel they unfortunately couldn't get out of mm -hmm. ukraine for obvious reasons mm -hmm. and um 
they asked Mario, they had just got done the desert scene. People had just got done seeing a heavy psych, uh, Joshua tree. And they got to see like Fatso Jetson do the rubber snake charmers thing and everything. And they're like, Hey Mario, why don't we do this like desert jam session? And, uh, we got to be involved and it was called legends of the desert, which we have no business being <laughs> uh, considered a legend. We've been around for like two years, but it, it was cool to be associated with that. And we improved with like our whole band got up there and improv with, you know, the Fatso Jetson guys with Wheeler doing some gnarly spoken vocals and me singing some stuff. It, and now there's some stuff where it got really trippy. It was, it was awesome, man. Like some once in a lifetime kind of, kind of thing. So, I mean, awesome. the whole tour was just absolutely amazing. Hey, Ryan, uh, you were talking earlier about the recording. So how many tracks are you guys aiming for um, for the We've sometime got, or another album? <laughs> so we went in with five songs we knew start to finish. We, could, we were going to go record with three in the bag uh, in the bag that we were like hey we'll go work out the kinks uh on these songs when we're in the studio we recorded before we even recorded those five we wrote three new songs that we okay yeah. didn't even right no right, right right so we still have the five so so we have eight in the bag um right now with other ideas that if we were to go back in we could probably go right and record the other three that we, we have but We've already got more than enough music as it is uh, for for vinyl uh, restraints and things. So there's gonna there's gonna be some decision making to be made, but uh, but we've got we've got a lot of good. We we're, we're very proud of the amount of music we have right now, and then we are looking to try to get this out um, early to maybe spring 2024. Yeah, how many tracks? Uh, at least eight. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about that tour. Uh, it, it, you know, I followed along for the ride a little bit and watched uh, it, your happenings every every day. Checked in with you quite a bit. Tell me a little bit about what was the kind of the most unique uh, place you played, first off? Okay. That would be a tough one because we played several incredible unique venues, but I will say one that stands out. There's two that stand out and they're both in Italy, but uh, one that was really, really cool. Ah, shit. There's three that stand out all three in Italy. We played a fire in the woods. It was called fire in the woods. Uh, it was in a small farm town in Italy that literally was in the, uh, the forest uh, where they is all DIY kind of stuff, man. Like, you know, they, we got there early and they're setting up the stages and, and uh, we got to stay like next door. There was like a couple cabins they put us in. It was really, really cool. Um, but it's, it was fire. They had a big campfire. They had some generators out there basically and running extension cords to these nice people down the road. And uh, there was like eight bands or something that night. Oh, it was it was insane, man! A uh, desert Italy generator was, party in was the red because <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we were talking about, Mario. I go, dude, Mario, this is he's like, yeah, man, this is like back home, just with a lot <laughs> more trees. So uh, yeah, 
but it was it was pretty it was it was really really unique for sure and you uh you, you really thought you know the first half of the tour was very active and big as far as the crowds right i mean you start off with london desert fest I mean, very big how many people were in that room i mean desert fest London, I really was hoping to be there this year. A couple things didn't go my way, we'll say, but uh, man, I got to make it there. But tell me a little bit about Desert Fest for us. Man, both of them that we played, London and Berlin, were insane. Uh, first shot of the gate was London. We played the Blackheart, which uh, we played before uh, last year uh, on our, when we did our first ever uh, overseas tour. And that room holds 200, and there might have been. 250 in there and like there we didn't know because we were obviously on stage and uh, all i know is on stage we were like i can't i can't breathe there's there was just no oxygen in that room oh, it was man. so hot uh so we're like man this feels like texas all right this is what we, we can do this <laughs> so hot so humid but we kept hearing over and over when people would be like oh hi there's a queen we 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 missed you uh we were like waiting you know what they call the queue, the line. We're waiting in the queue. Uh, there was apparently there was a line all the way down. It's upstairs, all the way down the all the way down the stairs and out the front of this bar and into the alleyway. That people were like waiting, and when wow. two people would come out, two people would would go in, which was super humbling uh, to hear. It also was like, well, shit, man, I wish you could have, I wish you could have seen us, you know? Right. But it, it was really cool to hear a lot of stories like that. Uh, and then the show we played the next night the desert jam session with Fatso Jetson. Uh, that cap was, I think 500 and that was, that room was completely full. And then, um, and that was right out of the gate. And we were joking that like, man, this door is going to be unreal, you know? And then that we play a Monday night in a small town called Bournemouth that the cap was only, you know, like 90 people, but there were, you know, it was like 50 people there. Like, I, oh, you know what, this is what keeps you humble. This is why this is great. You know, this is how this is, this is life on the road, the ebbs and flows. Right. And then and then Desert Fest Berlin was probably our biggest show. Uh, we played the second stage. When I, th I think they told us the cap was 850. Uh, and there was people all the way, like, crushed up to the front, all the way to the back. And, wow. you know, we, we're just getting going, man. And for us, that was just – that was so awesome. That was super cool. And But I remember my, my one complaint on Desert Fest Berlin was that – you know, any festival that overlaps, I always complain about, right? But uh, they only had two stages, and they chose to have us overlap with Fatso Jetson, our touring. Oh. They're like, come on, man. Wow. But I remember, I remember being like worried, oh, you know, well, people are going to go leave and watch Fatso Jetson, but rightfully so. I mean, they're freaking legends. Dude. Yeah. They, hadn't been, they hadn't been over there in like four or five years, so I was like, I get it. But I remember like Constantly knowing towards the last couple of songs, I'm like, dude, this room is still completely full. So that was, and my first instinct is like, oh man, that sucks for, for Fatso. But then I, we, we get off stage. We're like, oh, and we just see like hundreds and people coming out of the Fatso jets. And they apparently had like 1500 people on there. So it was, mm. it was, that was an awesome festival for sure. Those desert fest, desert fest shows, man, they, they do a really good job with them for sure. Other than the overlapping. And booking us nah. with our touring mates. 
the promoting and the people go like people are going to show up and show out. So it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, Reese has been at it and he's really just an amazing part of that scene over there. And, uh, obviously he's got something going on in New York as well with interesting timing. (laughs) It's just within a week of you, uh, not by by design. (laughs) Jesus. I know. Fuck. Uh, that's a little tricky. For some of us, I, I will be at Ripple Fest. Uh, don't think I'll be uh, uh, getting over to New York because I'll be going to SoCal Heavy Jam uh, the week after you. Yeah, That'll just a quick one too, day yeah. thing. Um, when you go over there, tell us a little bit about when you're in Europe at these shows, even the smaller ones um, versus, you know, ones over here in the States. Give us some not only comparisons, but maybe even more contrast uh, to it. And what I mean is fan interaction, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the and the similar. Well, the good is that people definitely show up uh, no matter what night of the week. Mm. Um, people, there's definitely a... In Europe, especially, we did the UK and Europe. In Europe, especially, there's like a a scene for for heavy music, heavy rock and roll, heavy metal. They they're they're gonna go like that's like what they do. You know, it reminds me of like what it used to be back here, maybe in the in the '90s and you know mm-hmm. maybe early 2000s. We're like, hey man, what are you doing? I don't know. Let's let's go to this bar because a band's playing. Don't know who, but let's go. You know right. that kind of thing. Um, and there is a bit of an, in, there's a lot of intrigue for, and we're lucky, you know, being from the States that when we're over there, like, that's a thing. People are like, man, we just knew you were from Texas. So we came to check you out, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, huh. And so, so that was really, really cool that that, that, that happens. Uh, we kept hearing that repeatedly. Mm. Uh, and another good thing is those people, like, if you impress them, they come back. Cause we did it. We did that quick tour last year. Uh, you know, we just kind of like, Hey, let's just do it so we can say we did uh pretty much what we did uh last year in the uk and 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 and, and uh, germany and netherlands uh and we saw so many of the same people which was so cool uh like wearing like our tour shirt from last year you know coming to the show and stuff it was really it was really cool that 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 was very humbling yeah. that's definitely that's definitely the good uh the the bad is that it's extremely expensive over there. So, uh, mm. uh, UK and is like a nightmare gas wise. I mean, it starts, you know, you pay by the leader, it starts equating to be like, like eight. I mean, well, maybe California prices, I guess, uh, uh gas wise, you know, sorry, Matt, but trust me, I know I feel it. It's actually, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's yeah. not that bad compared, believe it or not. I mean, when I was in Europe, which was decades ago, I was flabbergasted at their prices. Yeah. Like, it was like, whoa. Yeah, wow. gas is gas is very, very expensive. So touring, even we've even seen it from last year to this year. Uh, I mean, come on, we know the cost of everything is 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 gone up everywhere, but mm-hmm. uh, we we definitely noticed it in our expenses uh, when we were there this year and of course going over for a lot longer you definitely notice it mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that was kind of one of but one of the big things that that i'm really glad we kind of listened to mario on was the you know we didn't have we, we did 34 shows 36 days and we time the reason why we had the two days off is because we had to take a night ferry uh 
because we there's just no way to get from UK to the Netherlands without you know taking a day. And mm-hmm. then we had another one because we were kind of worried about his experience of getting into Switzerland. You have to pay a tax on every single thing you have there and merch wise and stuff. And it, it, it's 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 a hassle getting into Switzerland. We we learned that. But the reason why we did only the two days off is because you don't have a show, you lose money. And so uh, we learned that pretty quick because it's so expensive. And and one of the other good things about playing over there in Germany and places like that is they they give you housing. It could be it oh, wow. might be it might be it might be terrible. One venue, sure. the housing was cots literally in the bar. So oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's hmm. it's not paying for a hotel. You well, know? I, hope yeah. they, they, I hope they pay for your drinks. So you get free drinks. Yeah. That. Well, yeah you know. at, Open bar funny, all night. <laughs> we, had, we had heard from our buds a little trick about this one. Uh, Hippie Death Cult. They played the same venue the, mm-hmm. the year before. And they, they said, oh, we played that venue. It's it's just this weird, like, castle-looking thing. Uh, it's not. It's a castle, but it wasn't built, like, in castle. It was still built, like, in the 1800s, but not, you know, castle times. It was, like, a compound for military. But they told us a trick, like, yeah, sleeping conditions were rough because you're literally in a cot on like the bar floor, but the bar is still open. So you all right, well, that's the trade off then, right? Yeah, exactly. Get up and <laughs> you can drink till you fall asleep. <laughs> but uh, uh, but so that's another perk, right, of Germany and, and a lot of Europe is they give you accommodations to stay. Yeah, uh, good and bad. some good, some bad. Right. I've heard you know hospitality certainly is such a different. I mean, that's a word that when European bands look to come over here, they always use a lot, utilize hospitality. Yeah. And it's a difference. I always hate to disappoint them. <laughs> I'm like, mm. over yeah. here, you're not getting hotel rooms. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you might get hotel rooms set up for a festival, but, you know, for a regular tour, you're not getting that, you know, and, and you know, a deli tray or whatever the fuck, you know, you're going to. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some, some, yeah. some places it's, you're going to get some beer tickets and have fun. I'm yeah, lucky yeah. enough. Some of my shows, um, you know, at when I do my counts vamped, uh, you know, I get a little bit of a, uh, bar tab for each band. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, American bands are like, Oh, this is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? They got to throw yeah. a waitress even. Cause but, you don't get that everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so, and you know what's also different? And tell me what you think of the hotel rooms over there versus uh, at the States. <laughs> tiny. One word, tiny. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I I had the privilege of uh, my roommate was my was Phil, the drummer, and mm-hmm. he's 6'4". And uh, <laughs> oh, it, yeah. there was not a bed he fit on at oh, all. Oh, man. Uh, but we joked it like, you know, we would have separate beds most of the time. Yeah, they would. They put them. Yeah, right next to each other. Oh, jeez! Wow. (laughs) Because because if you if they're not there, there, there's no room for them to go anywhere. Because if you Mm. if you if you put them aside, then there's no place to put your bags. It's 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 time. It's it's different over there. I mean, they're not all like that. I know know, the ones the ones they're giving us for free. Yeah, Mm. they're 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 like that. Yeah, we're gonna have to have to sell a lot more records to get a different hotel. But uh, yeah, I've been I. I've had my European experience. I remember, can't remember if it was in Florence, Italy. <laughs> I, I go into the bathroom. I'm like, where do I shower? And I kind of look over. I'm like, what the? I go, it, yeah. it, there was a shower spigot on the wall, but there was nowhere to get in. 
And then I'm like, yeah. oh, there's a curtain. Yeah. It literally was part of the floor with like a drain oh, at yeah. the edge. It, 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 we had it's very, very. We did, se- yeah. we did several of those. And I, I one of my favorite analogy of one of those was uh, we we played a festival. Well, it was Desert London. And uh, they put us up in this hostel that we, we joked was like a prison because there were six. The room was smaller than my dorm that I had in college. And there were six beds in it, like three, like bunks. Uh. And the bathroom was, you know, like there's a toilet and a shower head, like you just described. Uh. And, and, there's, and there's a shower curtain. But we, we hadn't been there yet. But we ran into some friends that we played with in Sweden, uh, Galpa. And Emma from Galpa, the singer, she's mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, have you been to the hostel yet? Or like, no. Nah. She's like, it's uh, it's interesting. When you take a shower, it's like you're being hugged by a ghost because that shower curtain is just like attached to your body. Oh, no wow. to, like Get away from it. You know, it's like constantly oh. on you. And, and you don't know if it's clean. You're just like, ah, God. Oh, so, yeah. So, so you just start like, you just move the curtain and just let the water get everywhere because you just don't want the curtain to, to, to touch, touch you, you anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I the the, the joys... So these are the ugly. You mentioned the good, bad, yeah. and ugly. This is the ugly, right? Yeah. I mean, the stuff like yes. this. Yeah. And yeah. and what about merch sales? And I, I know is you know, I almost feel like I could have wrote a journal of the some of the <laughs> the daily stuff that you and me would kind of have quick chat on. How was the merch sales? And were there times where there were shows that were quite frankly, you know, pretty disappointing crowd-wise, merch sale-wise, where you had to chalk it up and go. Uh, win some, lose some. Yeah, it's 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 interesting uh, over there because, like in the UK, we had we had good crowds in the UK every every show we played, and that was great. And and but the merch sales in the UK were off the charts. Like we're all like, man, hmm. we're gonna be we're gonna be in really good shape, and we're mm-hmm. we're definitely gonna sell out of everything we have. This is great. And uh, same thing happened last year in the UK. So we're like, this is great. Uh, got to Europe, same crowds. Definitely not selling as much merch. Um, and, you know, you, you start being reflective as to why. And you know, there's we, you know, when you play in Slovenia and Czech Republic or even Italy, they're not the wealthiest of countries right now, mm-hmm. you know, for, yeah. for unfortunate reasons. And you just you, so it just kind of humbles you a little bit like, man, you know, we had people here, mm. but we didn't sell any merch, you know. And mm. it, it, but you had to respect because people were buy, still buying. Yeah. It, but it'd be, it'd be like, hey it's either you or Fatso Jetson. Right. And so we would, we mm, both yeah. were like splitting sure. merch, you know, uh, yeah. there'd be times where they'd buy theirs or buy ours or something. So it was fine. We ended up doing well on merch. I'd still say as on an average, we probably did better than what we would have um, here. Maybe uh, it, it just depends. I mean, it really depends. I know yeah. when you look at, when you look at the people to merch sold ratio, yeah. it's all just, it's all disproportionate over there. Because mm-hmm. there would be times when we would like we would joke. We play we play a show in front of a full house, and I was like, "Guys, I think we sold like three shirts. That's all. It's all we sold." Wow. And then we had like a couple shows. We had we really only had, and I think you and I were talking about this during during the tour, John. We only had a few shows that quote unquote flopped. We're just you know just it was like Tuesday night in a small yeah. village, you know, in Italy or something. Yeah. And we, we'd have like thirty people, which still. I'm happy with, you know, 30 mm-hmm. people there. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes. But then and then we'd sell like 10 shirts. It just wouldn't make sense. You know? Yeah. But like you mentioned, I mean, the good thing is, is like when you guys go back over there, like you said, I mean, we when we hear this all the time from all these bands that go over there, once they're fans, they're fans for life. Yeah. And so that. they're always going to come out and see you no matter what. And so I think, you know, 
it, it'll just I think keep getting better each time you go, right? Every time you go yeah, over there, yeah. it'll just keep growing. Yeah, you know? that's what you hope for. I mean, that's what you know. Our buds and Sasquatch they 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 preach that their, their rule of thumb was three. They're like, and, and Mario has the same rule of three, where it's mm-hmm. like, hey, first year you're probably gonna lose your ass. Second mm-hmm. year, if you break even, you did good. Uh, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, you don't do anything different. That third time, just it just people are there. So we've nice. been fortunate because we we kind of jumped the curve, I guess, a little bit because we went over with Fatso Jetson this year, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that and that clearly helped our our uh, our fans because people there there was people like coming out of the woodwork to see Fatso Jetson bringing like seven vinyls that they bought ten years ago to get signed. You know, wow. so they oh, they, they, they had. They have some true diehards, and there's some true Sean Wheeler diehards bringing like throw throw rag DVD uh, albums for him to sign and stuff, and albums I'd never even heard of that he's on. You know, he he's like, oh, I forgot I was on that one. Ah, it's crazy. Stuff like that, you know. It does. Does Mario speak Italian at all? A little bit. I think it's passable. It's passable. Mm. I I don't think he. I don't think he had to pull it out. Uh, well, actually, no, a few times he did. Uh, there were some times on, on tour where, uh, that like we'd hit a toll and we we're like, I don't understand what's going on. How much is, why is this? I'm like, how many coins do you need for this toll? And it's like 29 euros. Like what? Like we, we need to talk about this. And so he, he'd walk us, he'd, he'd talk his way through it. But, uh, yeah, we, I, I'd be lost. Uh, I speak a little Spanish and it's somewhat similar, but not enough. Yeah. Not enough. Very cool. Nice, nice. All right, let's we'll switch gears here. Let's talk uh, about the, the the newest, I guess, uh, music released by the band, "The Turn to Stone," Chapter Eight. The wig it came out uh, on Ripple back in April. Um, I know you got the video obviously out there uh, for "Black Moon," which we we had featured on one of our shows as well. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think I I did read something about "Black Moon." It was actually that was originally uh, a track. I think all three of the tracks, I believe, on the split, right, were originally from the session from the first, from the Secrets of the Black Moon session, correct? Correct. So okay. yeah. we, we wrote these three songs that made the split when we were in the studio for Secrets of the Black Moon. These were the ones that just didn't make the cut time-wise. And there was nothing about us feeling they weren't, like, worthy songs. Uh, really, we, we talked that out with uh, Blasco at the time uh kind of like feeling like what flowed best for the record and this just mm-hmm. and these three didn't fit the flow uh and we, we we agreed but ironically you know uh secrets of the black moon is a lyric from the song black moon, black moon yeah yeah that, <laughs> yeah that is, that is on that, that is on this record mm-hmm. uh that's what that's what and that was actually blasco's idea he was like hey we're gonna cut black moon but i just love that line uh, so we're going to, we should, what do you think about it as being a title? And I was like, I think it's a great idea. And so, and so we went with it, but um, yeah, we're, we were happy to do this, you know, obviously for reasons to get the, the three songs, you know, that we didn't know if they'd ever see light of day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, got to, but really because we were really happy to excited to work with blue Heron. Uh, I know, I know Jad Schickler very well, uh, who's got his hand in many mm-hmm. things. And I, I met him through ripple uh, great front man. And, uh, we, but we got asked to play their album release in Albuquerque and I drove up, we drove up for it and played. And that's when we first met him. I was like, man, these guys rip. And we became, became friends. And, uh, he approached me, um, 
Todd had talked about having us do a, a, a split at some point. We're like, cool. And I, and I, I think he had talked to Jad about it at one point and Jad approached me about it. And I was like, yeah, man. And I, I, I you always need to have regrets. Cause my regret, one regret is that we were going to make this actually like a concept where, um, we had called it the wake and we were going to like write songs in this kind of same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, we didn't know we were going to be as busy as we were on the road, uh, which was a good, like we did at the time this was happening, uh, Sasquatch asked us to go on the road and we're, we weren't going to say no. And then uh, Fatso asked us to go on the road right when we got back to like, let's, 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 let's go write some songs. And we just, we just never did. And so uh, luckily when I, I had those three songs, like, Hey, tell me if you think these will work. And they, everyone liked it. So we went with, so luckily it, we still were able to do the split with them. We were, we were worried we weren't going to, but I'm really glad that we did and that we get to share something with these guys because they're all such good dudes. And we got a tour coming up. We're going to play some shows with these guys, and uh, I love seeing them live. If you've seen them live, they're pretty amazing.
yeah. And the other thing too, you know, um, one of the interesting things about the band, we, you know, we see a lot of uh, siblings in rock bands and couples, but I don't think I've ever heard of a father daughter team together that you guys obviously have in, in High Desert Queen. <clears throat> how did uh, how did that come about? I mean, talk a little bit about that. How was that? I guess experience. You know, I mean. In terms of you know family members like that being in a band, it's it's, gonna it's be, I guess a little different, you know. It's different, but it's super mm -hmm. cool to be flanked yeah. by the Millers, um, mm -hmm. who are monster musicians. And then with mm -hmm. Phil behind me, I, I've got like the, the I've got the easiest gig around to dance around while those three people make magic. So, um, but it's uh it's pretty cool. Um, we were talking about that with Mario because you know Fatso has the father son with Mario mm -hmm. and Dino. Mm -hmm. And we we're like, how cool is it that we've got this father, son, father, daughter? And we were actually trying to think about it. And I, I didn't, we didn't come up with any other father, daughter uh, bands, right. at least not in the genre. In yeah. the genre, mm -hmm. we, we didn't, we weren't able to like, not off the top of the head. We, we couldn't come up with anything. But yeah, it's cool how it came about. The first record, speaking of Secrets of the Black Moon and the three songs on this record, mm -hmm. um, were pretty much written by Rusty and myself. For the, okay. I would say about seven, a guitar player, about 70% mm -hmm. of it. Um, because we got together years ago. I was playing with other people. Rusty auditioned. He, he and I immediately were like, oh, man, holy shit, you are something special. We got to, we've got something here. I moved uh, away from Houston. Rusty still lives there. But I was like, man, I, we got something going. Let's just keep this going. And we were literally just sending stuff back and forth digitally. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, I had met Phil. He was in another very good band we had played with called Monte Luna uh, at the time. And uh, he, 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 there were two piece and man, he was fun to watch play drums. And he was, he's, he's a session drummer. And so I literally, I, we kind of became friends and I was like, and he, he lives out in this area when I moved here. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hey man, we've got these, we've got these songs and we're going to go to the studio, but we need like a studio drummer. Would, would you be interested? And he's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll record your drums for you. Uh, and at the time we just asked uh, a buddy of mine uh, to play bass for us. Cause he was like, Hey, we just need someone to like track these bass tracks for us. Mm. And, um, and the only reason why Rusty jokes now is like, he could have asked Morgan then, but the reason why he didn't is he didn't think she'd want to play with a bunch of old dudes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was like, it didn't dawn on him at the time, you know, it's like, eh, it's mm. okay. So we went in and we, we tracked all this stuff and, we hit it off like Phil immediately was like, 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 dude, because he made all the stuff that we did digitally exponentially better. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's actually why we're so excited about this new record is this is actually written by the four of us, like 100 percent by the four of us. No one, no one sent a riff over computer like it was all written in the room together, which we're really excited about. Mm -hmm. um, but ironically, on the first record. Rusty has a pretty good story where uh, a song we have called Head, uh, Heads Will Roll. Mm -hmm. He he had recorded the riff on his computer and he had walked away and he was and he he put drums to it like uh, like you know just drum samples uh, to like to give me some basis to work on mm -hmm. some vocals. He mm -hmm. walks away from the computer. He comes back and he's like, "Wait, I didn't I didn't record bass to this. What? I don't remember recording bass to this. He'd left it there for for a while." And well, apparently Morgan came in, heard it, and just like threw down this rad bass line. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and like literally just sat down, oh, heard it, awesome. knocked it out because she's wow. a beast. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had her, we actually had her come record 
uh, in the studio, we actually had her come record that because I was like, hey, you wrote the baseline, come record it. And so she did. And, and all of us immediately were like, oh, damn, she's good. And um, our bass player at the time was with us. Uh, he's pretty high up in the corporate world. And we started kind of getting some traction, like playing a lot of shows. Like, man, I just don't think I'm going to be able to play this many shows. And, you know, he and I go way back. We were like longtime high school buds. So it was like, hey, man, we get it. You know, I, I wish you could. We understand. And we're like, hey, do you think Morgan would want to do it? And he's like, I'll find out. And she came in and it's just, <laughs> she's owned it. And uh, it's super cool to watch them because there'll be times on stage where they're just like rocking together, you know, and it's like, man, that's mm -hmm. badass. Like, how cool is it at, from a dad standpoint to, oh, good, to do yeah. that, you know, share oh, something you love like this um, mm -hmm. with your siblings. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Phil and I are always like, man, we'll just kind of get out of the way. This is awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, in terms of now the songwriting for the new record did, I mean, is, is there anything, I guess, new or different that we can expect from, you know, you could sort of black moon or is it essentially kind of similar style and sound that, that you guys it's, are going on? I think it's definitely, I think it's going to be in my mind, it's very different. You know, I'm sure. Okay. People are going to hear it. You know, they're going to hear the vocals and they're, it's going to be similar. They're going to hear the guitar tone and things. Um, I think that we obviously have grown with each other and getting to know more about each other, becoming more friends. Like I said, it wasn't just a, hey, the come record this in the studio and actually knowing each other for a couple of years now. Uh, we've kind of, our influences, I think, have come out a lot more uh, okay. as opposed to just like, I don't, I wouldn't say we wrote Secrets of the Black Moon trying to fit a genre or fit a mold, but there was definitely a song where like, like I remember when we first, one of the first songs we did was Heads Will Roll, I'm sorry, uh, Roll the Dice, which is on this split. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's a stoner rock song. Like that's a hundred percent. That's a stoner rock song, mm -hmm. you know? And then we like, oh, that's, we play Skyscraper. That's, that's a doom song. You know, like mm -hmm. we kept, we were able to like label the genres and we made a conscious effort this time to not we didn't want to be like, there's no song. We feel like that is a, this kind of song, except rock and roll. Uh, and it's got, it's got some heavy rock. There's a lot more, I don't know how else to put it, but like Texas on this version, uh, this record, I think it's going to be a lot more up tempo. Uh, I, I think, I, I think there's very little doom aspects on this record. I think it's very, very up tempo. Uh, it's, it's going to be heavier. Um, but also, I don't know, there's gonna be parts that are pretty melodic as well. I, I, it, I'm really excited about it because we, like I said, when we recorded it with no click track, it's because we have like, we wanted it to sound like we do live. Uh, yeah. I, I like our live show. I liked it. We tempo change on purpose because the energy is that way. And we tried to capture that as much as we could in the studio. And, and we had an engineer, uh, this guy, Casey, who totally, was a you know friend of Phil's because he works at that studio. We told him that concept. He was all in, loved it, bought in, and he did a great job like helping us capture it too. So it was awesome. Nice. Yeah, you guys are spectacular live. I've been uh, fortunate enough to see you a number of times, and of course, you came out and played uh, Planet Desert Rock Weekend. That was a blast. Uh, what a night that was! I think a real eye opener for a lot of people. Uh, you you know you think about it. You were probably the the most unknown variable of that night, um, because Absolutely. it was Nab it was Nebula, and so obviously they've been around for a while, and they play Vegas now for me three, four, or five times now, and uh, 
Salem's Bend has been playing here since my second show mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. So they got some folks. And then Sonolith is the local band, and they uh, they helped drive quite a few people in there. So, but man, I had a lot of people walk away going, "That was that band's badass! Wow, I kind of I like them." And they would look at me all surprised. I would look at them and go, "Why do you think I would book someone that's not good? <laughs> and when do I let you go?" You know, I get all cocky with them because I feel real good about my gatekeeping. <laughs> I play. Period. Yeah. I'm an admitted, you know. It's almost not gatekeeping, right? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, guys, I know what it is. Though. When you're like, it's my fucking show, so it's 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 your credibility, it's man. Be... That's what it, it's what it is. I, I know yeah, it from booking it's, shows it's too. Like, it's that what it is? Of course you do. Of course you do. And it it's it makes it an interesting aspect. But man, you're I do like uh, your command, Ryan. Really, your command of the crowd. God, you must get off on this shit. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is Ryan, my drug, Ryan. Yeah, uh, tell me a little bit about your path as a singer. Um, singers fascinated me. That's probably the pe- person I could relate to the most, as I am musically uninclined. I can do nothing, but I'm, you know, a pretty good singer in the shower. Um, and as a little kid, uh, I was put into some situations singing in front of quite a few people uh, in some random uh, stuff. So I, and I, I like the aspect of, you know, obviously communication and energy. So talk yeah. to me, Ryan, your path as a singer a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I first band I ever sang in, I was probably, I was just out of high school. Uh, we were called Hogleg, and uh, we're a little Texas band and we, I literally was only the reason why I sang in that band because I did not have the best voice in that band was because I was the only one that had balls to get in front of people and sing yeah. in front of people just within the group that I was with, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew right away that so I was like, ah, this is fun. And I, I was no good. I was not any good at all. Uh, and I immediately was like, oh, shit, I'm I, OK. So, yeah, I, I, I don't. I have, I'm brave. I'll do this, but I am going to be being heard by people. And I started realizing like my guitar player is still one of my best friends of all time. The other guys, I'm like, they're really good. I can't suck. I I can't suck. That's, that's not fair. And uh, so like I went and started taking some vocal lessons and, and I always did stuff like, like my influences are very, very, very broad. But one thing they have in common is that they're all like incredibly good front men. Uh, like my first and foremost is James Brown. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. he's, the go- he's the godfather of soul and he can dance around. Mm-hmm. And I-, I still like my parents can tell you stories. Uh, my dad gave me the uh, 20 solid golden hits on cassette. And I would uh-huh. play that in my kitchen at full volume. And my kitchen had linoleum floor and, uh, and then there would be carpet. And so in my mind, I was probably like 10. That was the linoleum floor was the stage and the carpet was the crowd. And mm-hmm. I used to take my shoes off. So I could slide around on my socks like James Brown would and try to move around and try to sing and hit some high notes, which I couldn't, you know, but maybe a little better then because I was I hadn't hit puberty yet. But uh, <laughs> but but like, you know, like that was a big influence of mine. And and I. I started taking lessons and those are actually some of the people that I would try to sing. Uh, like when I went to a vocal coach 
uh, I remember that she was always like, bring me three singers that you want to emulate as well. I know I can't emulate any of these, but I'll, I want to learn like James Brown. I did Maynard Keenan. And mm -hmm. at the time, I think I was doing a lot of perfect circle stuff. Uh, and then uh, Chris Cornell. Mm -hmm. And because um, uh, I because all three of those in my mind are completely unattainable. And so I'm like, why not? Why settle? You know, if I'm going to try to practice for something, uh, mm -hmm. do that. And then that band fizzled out. I started another band uh, with the same guitar player that did for a few years. And then I was probably about 24, 25. And then life kind of happens. Uh, you know, like everybody in the band started families and had kids and just kind of the band stopped. And I took a job in Houston, moved away. And there was no there was no music in my life for for a good while. And it was killing me. Um and I probably went a solid 10 years without singing for anybody or anything. Uh, and what actually got me back into it is that uh, well, when Lane Staley passed away, some of my old buddies asked me if I wanted to like do this uh, Alice in Change tribute band. Mm. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be a tribute band. It was just supposed to be like a tribute show. Sure. Right? Okay. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. in, you know, I'll do it. And so I, and I was doing all the, all the Staley parts. And it was awesome. Like it made me like really practice and get the passion for it again. And Lane Staley's vocal parts are not easy to sing. So, no, it, was no. cool. <laughs> so yeah. it, was, it was cool to do. And then we did a couple, the, a couple of shows like that, but I was like, man, I can't, I don't want to be in a tribute band. That's, that's, it's not what I'm about. Mm -hmm. It's not that, not this time. I don't have, I don't have the time for it. You know, I was teaching and I was a basketball coach and I was like, you know, life just gets in the way. I don't have time for that. And then <laughs> Then Scott Weiland died, and I got asked to be in a Stone Temple Pilots <laughs> tribute show. Oh. I'm like, Jesus, is that someone have to die for me to get a call? <laughs> but but I was like, you know what? I getting back on stage made me really be like, I love this completely. And I searched for a couple of years in the Houston area to try to find a band to play with. And right as I did, I I, I moved again. But then that's when I when I got rusty. So. Uh, there's no better feeling than being on stage. I don't know what I do half the time. I appreciate the compliments, John, that I command the crowd and stuff. I don't even know what I do. When you say like, I must get off on this. I it's, it's the coolest feeling yeah. is that because yeah. I do lose myself a lot. Not, I, I can't admit to every show losing myself. There's sometimes, you know, everybody gets in their own head sometimes and you worry about things, but mm -hmm. when it, when it hits right, man, I, I have no idea what's going on. I watch it on video later, like, what? You just get in the zone, right? <laughs> yeah. You just get in the zone. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I get it. I really do. I, I used to have to do speeches in front of hundreds and hundreds of people sometimes before like a before the start of a shift. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah. Wolf of Wall Street kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh without the cocaine. <laughs> uh, at work, that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And man, it, it uh it's just such an interesting feeling where you have people and you feel that energy coming back at you. So I really relate to, to, to what you do, right? And again, big kudos to you, my brother. And, and but, I stress out for singers uh, a lot. you hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head, feeling the energy from the crowd. That is yeah. where I get it. Mm -hmm. Like people are like, because yeah. I get told a lot. But the one compliment I get all the time is my energy. And I'm like, no, 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 you understand. Like I literally just sapped all that from, from you people in the crowd. Like yeah. I... I I did because I could be dog tired, not feeling well, whatever. But as soon as someone starts bobbing their head, I'm that. Oh, I'm in. That's it. That's what it takes. It. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to watch. I always stress that about about thinking about yeah, singers is remembering lyrics. <laughs> like, how do you you must be good at that, huh? Or how, how do it, what do you do to prepare for all that? Uh, I'd be lying if I remembered every single word every time. Yeah, I mean, there there's no way I think anybody does that. I mean, I'm I marvel at like when I watch a band like the Melvins and I'm like, y'all have 30 years of 40 years of music. How can you yeah. remember this stuff? I, I, I've got one record, so I, I can remember <laughs> that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, even, even when uh, you're in the early stages of the song, you know, first kind of playing it, it can be daunting because when you lose yourself on stage, I, I sometimes also lose where I'm at. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm okay. I'm guilty of that. Um, yeah. But I had a I had a smart person tell me a long time ago that most of the time nobody understands what the fuck you're saying anyway on stage. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of I kind of like he, yeah he was like shed the ego like nobody knows if you're going have you heard the major or you know mm-hmm. I can say actual words that make no sense and people would still follow it but right because it but, sounds at least the sound is similar to what. Right. The song is. Yeah. But, I always kind of wondered about that a little bit. But as you do it more, it becomes second nature and and it gets a little intimidating for the first time in the last, you know, past year. What's been happening is blows my mind. You know, so the record came out is the crowd singing the words. And I'm like, oh shit, I better remember what I'm saying, or they're gonna let me know I got them wrong. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, the, when the mountain versus the quake, people are always singing that chorus with me and and that oh, that's yeah. that's super cool. And so, you know, those, those are the ones you're not going to forget. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely been like saying the second verse first on accident and then be like, oh, crap. Or sing the second <laughs> that that happens because I'm mm-hmm. I'm going crazy and I don't know what I'm doing half the time. And then yeah. and I was like, oh, yeah, I sing right here. So it happens. So you, you took us back in time a little bit. Um, so I want to take you back to your senior year of high school. Okay, and right on. senior junior year, we'll go with that. Uh, what were the bands and stuff that you were listening to at that time? So senior year, and what year uh, was that? 1999. So okay. I was the last last class of of the century, and uh, I was a tool freak. Uh-huh. So uh, it, it Anima was in my opinion, still their best record, it, you know, the all opinion, but I, I discovered them late. Well, that, that album came out, what, like in 96 or 97. So I was in high school mm-hmm. and my brother showed me when that album had already come out. Well, maybe right before it came out, he had showed me undertow. Mm-hmm. And at the time in oh, high man. school, I was probably listening to at that time in high school, I was probably like, my favorite band was REM, you know, like my, my, mm-hmm. my, yeah. my, my tastes had changed. Um, and I still love REM, but I just don't listen to much anymore. And, uh, probably Radiohead at the time, uh, early high school. But then, uh, when he showed me undertow, I was like, Oh my God, what is this? And I probably was listening to Anima stone Toll pilots purple. I wore that record Mm. out. That was one of the, so I was late to the game on grunge and it's my favorite genre. Uh, and that was actually the record that kind of introduced me to to I've I found bands like Allison Chains and Soundgarden because of 
me hearing Vaseline on MTV one time. Mm, okay. uh, and I was like, oh my God, that is a cool freaking song. Um, and then ironically, in 99, an album came out that I got to listen to with my dad. So I was super cool. And that was Tom Waits' Mule Variations. Oh, yeah. uh, that was, I, my dad raised me on Tom Waits. And um, so he hadn't had an album come out in a very long time at, that, at the time. And uh, so when I got that, I was like, hey, dad, we can actually, because he does not like Tool. He does not like <laughs> <Tool to> a <laughs> pilot. So it was like something, hey, we can, we can, we can listen to this. And so I think I, those three records I probably wore out the most my senior year in high school. And I, I still remember it vividly, you know, like being that high school kid and rolling the windows down and cranking it all the way up, you know, right. as much as I could. Um, and where did metal ever come into play for you? No, it, it didn't until late. And when I say there were bands that I, that I got into, like Typo Negative, I loved. I, people would call them metal for sure, right? And mm -hmm. yeah. like I got into them uh, shortly. Well, I probably heard them. I, I used to always sing Goldfish, Chris Diggs. I thought it was <laughs> cool, you know, mm -hmm. uh, before I actually listened to the record. And, but I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan now. And then uh, Tool was probably my gateway to like a lot of heavy bands. Well, one thing I got to give credit to Tool is through Tool, I discovered Kaya. So mm. uh, okay. that's kind of where I went with that is that yeah. Tool covered uh, Demon Cleaner. I, don't, I was back in this time, you know, you're trying to find the bootlegs. Yeah. And mm. I found a bootleg CD where they, they covered Demon Cleaner. And it's like this band called Kaius. And so I checked out Kaius and yeah. then I was done. I was like, okay, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and they became probably, I was probably like, if you had said yeah. first year of college, I'd have told you Kaius, but, but yeah, I hadn't found them just yet. But, um, a lot of the metal bands I listen to, like I got really in, like I'm one of my favorite, most listened to bands, like probably right now is Yob, mm. uh, and bands like that. Like just, just, you know, just recently, you know, I've just started yeah. listening to them. Mm. Uh, Acid King. I don't even know if those, that's metal. Electric Wizard, you know, stuff like that. Those are Doom. Doom, yeah. Yeah, that, those are Doom bands. You're right. Those, any, any no Priest or Mate? No but Priest even, or Mate in Scorpions for you? Uh, no, I, I never got into it. Uh, now, Van Halen, because my sister, she's 10 years old than me, and she worshiped David Lee Roth. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, like, she had his, uh, his poster like on her wall. I remember wall. that. Mm -hmm. So I, I I remember her jamming Van Halen. I'd go in there and dance there as a little kid, you know. So I, I got that. But I, I never I just kind of missed the bus on all that. Yeah. You know, I just it, just it was literally I was just past the age, I think, of of that. You know, mm -hmm. I just well, missed it. I respect well, you, it all now. But and, I, and you and you said you grew up like near Houston, correct? Like Houston area? No, was it? I, I grew up in between I, I lived in Houston for about 15 years. Okay. I, 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 I took a job there, but mm. I, I grew up in uh, what's called New Braunfels, which is between Canyon Lake and I'm sorry, between San Antonio and Austin. Okay. So I heard a lot of metal because San Antonio is, Tony is big, town. very big. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, and I'll be honest, some of those bands, man, I, when you're a kid, you don't know shit. And I was, I was kind of a music snob. Like I, mm. I'll be honest, if if it wasn't Tool, it sucked, or if it wasn't associated with a Tool, it sucked when I was in high school. You know, <laughs> just it's who I, I'm so glad I'm not that way anymore. But I, I was, I was a punk little kid who yep. thought, thought mm. I knew everything, <laughs> and so like uh, those bands didn't sound like Tool, and so I didn't, I didn't, and, and 95 Kiss, a radio station, 
there's a big metal station here in San Antonio that I get still, and they still play the same music since like 2004. Yeah. I don't think they've changed. I don't think they've changed their playlist. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. uh, like I miss the bus on all this. They would play a lot of these bands, and it's just like oh, doesn't sound like Tool, so I kind of dismissed them. And it was actually uh, a guitar player I played with in a previous band, and then Rusty, my guitar player now, who's like, dude, you got to listen to this shit. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I I get it now. I get it. Mm -hmm. I just missed the bus when I was at when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah, you're yeah. young. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Compared <laughs> to us. Yeah. Me. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. College. Old. I grad I graduated college in '92. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even out of high school yet. So uh, well, was it was it in high school yet? But Jesus. I feel I feel old on tour. Because our bass player is 24 years old. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ryan, let's get into talking about what's coming up this September, of course. And that, of course, is the third annual Ripple Fest Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, another st stellar lineup you got lined up with Lick My Spoon Productions there. Um, now, just a first question to ask is that's the third year. I mean, I you know, obviously, you got two years in your belt doing this. I mean, Lineups keep getting, you know, just continue to be as strong as every year. Mm -hmm. Just in general, is is the whole experience of you putting on something this massive? Because I think what's really awesome too about Ripple Fest is, you know, it's 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 a four day thing. You've got, uh, you know, pre party, you got the after party. You know, this is four days of this. Is it getting easier or more tougher the bigger it gets and the more people know about it? Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm sure there's parts that are yeah. easier and parts that are tougher. Um, so just talk, I guess, about now that your third year doing it. I mean, I mean, just get, take us through like what you're experiencing now compared to say what you did last year, for example. To answer the question about is it harder or easier, it goes both ways. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of it that's easier, I mm. think, because I I know uh, kind of what to do, but um, it's harder in parts because I'm I'm a big advocate of like, uh, you know raise the bar every time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I want to raise the experience. I want to make it better every single time. It's not, I mean, I can throw a killer fest, but I, I want it to be better, you know? And mm -hmm. my biggest, you know, ripple fest is blown much bigger than I ever thought it was. The first year was kind of like, Hey, I've seen these ripple fests up in the Bay area. Hey, Todd, like how do we get one of those in Texas? And he's like, Oh, well, the, it's the bands that always put them together. And I was like, well, if no one's going to do it, I'm going to do it. I just kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and went. And it was like kind of like a thing where I could – I really respect the Ripple idea of the of, of the family. And, mm -hmm. and and not just – I'd only been introduced to it by Ripple, but I see that it's cross this whole music scene, you know, has mm -hmm. nothing to do with just Ripple because – there's bands on a million, all these other labels that were all part of the family, you know, and I, I, I was amazed by that. But at the time I was like, Hey, you know, I'm kind of really impressed with this ripple family thing. Right. So I, I mm -hmm. booked, I, I was, I was so proud to be, you know, I got a record contract and I was on ripple and I'm like, Oh, so I invited all these bands on ripple only uh, for the first year. Mm -hmm. Then I, that's when I kind of learned what the scene is like, you know, I started to play enough shows with Hiders at queen kind of see what the family aspect is of the people people that come to the fest and meeting some of the same people that travel across the country for these shows. And I know John experiences that a lot. There's people that travel from all over to come to your shows and, and it's so unique. And so I was like, man, I'm, I'm I need to take this up. And I went really big last year. 
Uh, I was yeah, way over my I was way over my head last year, way over my head. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's the only way to learn. Uh, mm. Is like kind of mm-hmm. you, you got to make mistakes and you got to you, you got to go big or go home, uh, for lack of better words. But I wanted my biggest thing was the vibe I was going to create. You know, like I knew I was going to book great bands, uh, and that's a huge part of it because good music creates good vibes. Mm-hmm. But you've got to. I want it. I want the environment to be. I want. I want people when they're like, "Man, Ripple Fest is something different about that festival uh, than any other one." And there's no. There's no like secret ingredient to that. Like you know, I kind of. I'm a historian of sorts, and I'm like looking at all these festivals. Like, what makes this one unique? What makes it? And I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on anything. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I. So I didn't really know if I was making it special last year either, you know, I just, I just knew that I wanted a venue that had great vibes and I found it in uh, the far out lounge uh, mm-hmm. that had amazing people working it, which I found. Uh, and then I wanted to only book bands that I felt like were not only incredible musicians, but equally as good people. You know, some you, you take a gamble on cause you don't know, mm-hmm. but you know, like I wanted I felt like that vibe is going to like, just it'll radiate through everything else, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I, I, but I heard that repeatedly last year, like, man, other than it being freaking hot as balls, uh, <laughs> it was such a cool atmosphere. And, and that was mm-hmm. with all, that was, you know, from everything down, I, I, I took the European aspect from hospitality for bands. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want them okay. to pay for a thing. I didn't want, I wanted, I wanted them to, be taken care of and catered to and have the best equipment to play on stage, the best light show, the best sound, the best mm. food that I could. I gave them some Texas barbecue and some Texas Mexican food and some all, you know, all mm. the stuff that I felt like, cause you know, I was going to lose money on that, but when you've got happy musicians, you make better music. It creates good vibes. Cause I've played mm. shows where I walk in and you're like, here's, you know, where the bar's like, here's your two drink tickets uh and, <laughs> and 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 sometimes that's lucky as you two drink tickets and like when the last right. beat's done like they're like get your gear and get the hell out of here you know like we got we're closing down it's it's yeah. it's not cool to walk into an, an environment where you're already like you're already like up against the the, the, the wall like you, there's already stress and you're late for sound check and blah, blah, blah you know it's just all mm. kinds of stuff whatever, you know so it doesn't work but um so i didn't want that to happen and so i took care of the bands first uh, and I feel the rest will take care of itself. And a lot of these bands too are like word got out that this is a good festival to play. And it became a lot easier to contact a King Buffalo or contact an acid King. Uh, I had people in my corner that were like, Oh man, you need to go play that festival. And that, that's mm. so humbling to me. I never thought that would, that would be the case, you know? So, mm. and, and, and the relationship that I developed along the way, because I, I do invite a lot of friends, you know, because why wouldn't you? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of these bands that I've been fortunate enough to 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 have a relationship with and and a lot of really good, talented bands. There are so many yeah. good bands out there. And every time I sit with John, uh, I learn about more bands I didn't even know about. Right. That are good. There's mm-hmm. just there's so many bands out there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so I the hardest part is, I mean, saying no to bands probably why i it's probably why i like last year i was gonna do two days and it turned into four i just, yeah. I, just I was really bad at saying no mm-hmm. uh this year i had to put my foot down a little bit it's still four days but not a 
last year I did four full days. Full days, yeah. Right. yeah and I was like, yeah. First of all, that's I was beat for a week. Oh, I'm sure you were. And I know I was running stuff. I was running stuff, but I was also a fan. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, this, this, this takes stamina in itself. But uh, you know, I, hardest part is having a band who's who's so worthy about be, uh, to be on this lineup. Just having to be like, hey, man, I, I just I don't I don't have yeah. room. But yeah. that's the hardest part. But but I'm very happy with the because every single band on here was like literally hand selected by myself and my brother. Like oh, we, nice. we were like, hey, we made a list. Yeah. of all the bands we wanted some say no and so then we have to come up with another list mm-hmm. you know and yeah. or schedules don't work out and then you get every now and then you get a surprise where you know you get a submission i get all kinds of submissions but it's it's i don't even ask for submissions because right like said, we, we, we hand select these bands that's mm-hmm. what i do now, yeah yeah but every now and then you're like well i've heard who who are you and you know you kind of look mm-hmm. and you're like, oh well this is kind of I never heard this. this is cool. And you get a couple of surprises. I've got a couple of bands on, on, on this list. Uh, like, um, one of the ones you have on there, restless spirit with me and John are big fans of that was, I thought that was a great selection. Oh, taking yeah. those guys. They man. are so good. So man. good, man. Yeah. yeah. And that would have been a submission from Jad. Oh, wow. Okay. Cause, uh, they're Magnetic on. Oh, Magnetic Eye. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And see, I, I did not know them. And mm-hmm. it's, what's funny about that is he sent that to me and I, and I, and I was like, I had literally, I think the day of, you know, stars align in weird ways. The mm. day of I'm, I'm going to our, my hiders at Queens, uh, Spotify page, you know, and I'm, I'm always curious to see how many plays we've got. And I like to check it every now and then. And it, and it, it's it always says like, I'm always curious. I'm fascinated by the, you might also like these bands. I'm always fascinated mm. by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm doing it. And for the first time, that was the first time I saw restless spirit. I go, Oh, what are these guys are? I'm going to check them out. And it would be within the hour. Jad, uh, suggested them uh, for wow. the like okay I gotta check them out heard the record mm-hmm. yeah I was like done those guys are <laughs> rad yeah uh, so so I was happy to have them so th- they were definitely one of those and there was an uh Royal Sons or another one that was suggested to me mm-hmm. uh that and I was like oh these guys are from Texas I didn't even know and they were so good and bluesy and just man yeah. really cool so and I just mm-hmm. I haven't seen them live yet but I saw them, you know, like uh, t- a couple of YouTube videos. Like, man, these guys are rad. So uh, I was, I was excited to 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 put bands like that I didn't know. You know, there's some yeah. that I, a lot of these I knew. Like I, I went sure. after, you know, every single one of these bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but there's there were yep. a couple that were suggested to me that that are on here. Yeah, another one on there is a band I love, that blue collar working band, the good old uh, the heroine from San Antonio. There, man, I was glad to see Ooh, those guys those, on there, and those guys. Alive, alive, yeah, they're gonna saying. rock the socks for the people. You'll see that, man. I mean, they're yeah, like I've got so. them. Oh man, they're gonna do the pre party, they are nice, and, very cool. And uh, I've got them closing the pre party out. And people are like, Well, they're not the biggest band, but they fucking rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. like, yeah, they're gonna people will stay late because when that first hit, no hits, they're gonna be like, whoa. Uh, and, and I and I knew them, they were like kind of a legend in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so so i knew the band i just had never seen them i was in houston at the time they were kind of blowing up here mm. and i know they went on tour and they've done all that but you know i just i just hadn't heard them and uh their drummer johnny now drums for thunder horse mm, okay. and uh who's you know they're our they're our buds man they're they're like oh, they're homies great. bishop and mm. i have been homies for a long time like way back from first band that band hogleg i play with his oh, wow. band back then you know mm-hmm. um but it was uh i 
we'll put a show and I want a Thunder Horse. Hey, man, we can't do it, but you should put on Johnny's other band, The Heroin. I was like, done. And the first time I saw him, I literally think that night, I was like, hey, Johnny, uh, what are you guys doing in September? Because they're really, really good. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of hidden gems. I think that's what also – there's the balance, right? People know the King Buffaloes, Acid Kings, the Brant Bjorks, the Sasquatches, the Wolfats, right? Those mm-hmm, People yeah. know those bands. Um, I take pride into finding a band that I think is super rad that maybe people don't know about. And I don't think I – I'm not – I don't have my hand on the pulse, you know, of music as much as like maybe you two guys do, but, but I, I try to dive in as much as I can to music. Um, and there's, there's bands that I'm like, man, like big pig. Uh, mm. That's Dino mm. from, from uh, Fatso Jets. That's Mario's son's yeah. band. Son's band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, did you see him at heavy psych when we were there? Oh, I've, I've seen them uh, quite a few times actually through yeah, the years. It, yeah, and so live, I was like, "Oh man, these guys are—they're just—they're different and they're fun." Yeah, and and they're they're crushing, like it's crushingly, yeah, like kind of heavy. Uh, and so like I'm like, man, people need to see these guys, and, and they haven't really played outside of uh, California, so I was happy to get them, and and pe- everyone in their right mind should know the band Kind, but I still feel oh, like there's, God, people, yeah. there's people who, oh don't. yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah. like I, I, you know, I you try to get them and and uh they're just such a high quality yeah. band yeah. in every way possible their, their awesome. set last year was primo we just had rigs yeah. on the show with all great kinds episode of, i watched that yeah. one yeah great episode. Oh, thank you it, it, great yeah. you know stories great guys all of them and uh, you know a kind is one of those just delivers such good every stuff. time every, every time. time uh yeah you, you know you're bringing over a band from england as well yeah and see, I'm so happy to do this. Uh, Dunes, we met these guys last year uh, um, when we played our first shows in the UK, and they just happened to be the band. Well, we were, we were. Long story short, when we started booking this Cyclona, and, and I I'd become friends with Phil Hay from Cyclona, and he was like, "Hey, well, y'all should come. Let's do some shows together." So we started booking shows. They get asked to do a big festival, so they had to pull out because of radius clauses, but we still kept our shows. He suggested these guys dunes because they work really hard and they're pretty cool. And I we immediately became buds. We played like three shows with them last year. We did the same thing this year. I asked them to play some shows with us again this year. They're hungry and I love it. I love a band that's hungry and getting out there and working. And they were like, We know we'll take a loss, but we want to come to the States. And I was like, done. I I, I go, I know nothing about visas or anything. Uh, <laughs> so I learned. And it's a pain in the ass, uh, which those boys know. We talked about it, but I learned now. So I'm ready. Like, I'm like, all right. To me, that was my stepping stone because I've had other bands from overseas that have have wanted to come. Yeah. And so now I know kind of how to do it. So (laughs) that that helps, you know. But, yeah, so I I had a band last year that came over, Full Tone Generator from Australia. Yeah. But they they weren't the least bit concerned in visas, so they just came. But, yeah, um, yeah. That's when, when I did Planet yeah. Desert Rock uh, two. You know, I had eight European bands come over. Um, yeah. No visas involved. You know, just covert. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I'd set them up. You know, backlines and obviously stuff like that. Even guitars at times of course, were set up. Of I had to have yeah. all that set up because part of the strategy was is they wouldn't all go on the same flight, and many of them didn't fly with their guitars. Yep. Yeah, it's a smart so, way of doing it. 
it's Smart kind idea. of a real uh, tricky thing, but that's what you have to do nowadays. Is there just is not enough money in uh, this scene quite yet over here. That's for sure. Yeah, there's not. So, but I'm happy to bring those guys over. They are very good. Yeah. High, high energy, like very Queens of Stone Age esque band, and uh, I, I, but, but still with a little. They got a unique England kind of rock vibe, you know, to them, and I, I really, I really dig those guys a lot. So I was happy to bring them over, and hoping to bring even more, you know, in, I, in years to come. I think a band that's going to blow people away, and I think Matt will agree with me, is Unita. Oh yeah. Um, I've seen Unita with Mark Sunshine. Uh, this guy's great. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, that's coming from me, who loves John Garcia. And friends with him, know him, massive respect. But I have a lot of respect for you need of the songs. I mean, yeah. that's mm -hmm. I, I mean, when you just go back, I mean, it, it, people are like, damn, that'd be cool to watch and see here live. And I got lucky with House of Broken Promises a few times because half of Unita is half of is half of Broken Promises, or right. two thirds mm -hmm. of Broken Promises, Mike Cantino and Arthur C. And they would play a Unita uh uh medley of like three songs mixed in wow. and uh when they played black woman i just turned it mm. into this whole nother fucking beast because the song is i mean and arthur just his riffs his tone mm -hmm. along yeah. with his stage visuals, presence yeah and his stage mm -hmm. presence and visuals it's great um I, the whole thing it's just you know when people can get over the mental stuff of garcia that's going to be one that I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, let's check it out. Why not? Yeah, I agree. And, and they're going to be like, they're going to walk away. Because I've, I've, with the people that came to my show, I had them, Mondo generated them the obsessed all one night. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, people were like, whoa, okay. And it was loud as fuck, too. Oh, yeah. So, with those bands, absolutely. You you helped yeah. me put, you helped me kind of push me over the edge on that one. On You need to, I remember reaching out to you about that because yeah. I'm a huge fan. I love yeah. Unita, and yeah. uh, they were interested in coming. And I, I kind of started dialogue just to kind of see if there sure. was interest, and they were. And I, I remember reaching out to you like, "Okay, dude, you've seen them with the new singer. So I, I, I need, I need, I need your honest opinion." And yeah, so that it was. Yeah, I saw them in the second day. show. Yeah, saw them on their second show ever. They've been to Europe since then. So they played another, you know, couple dozen over there. We had Arthur on the show as well what a funny motherfucker that guy is yeah. <laughs> and uh you know they, arthur and mike played the first show i ever had as a biggest rock revolution promoter so yeah that's awesome super i reached out to the sasquatch boys too uh to tell me what the show was like because i know they played some shows overseas with them so they and they told me it was the, the new singer's legit and so yeah. i was like all right yeah. ready to roll. they go way back with uh with Arthur yep. as well. They did a tour with Housework Promises uh, many, many moons ago. Yep. Yeah. Great well, lineup, Ryan. Oh, yeah, yeah, fantastic. There's no slouches. And what's great is there are a lot of friends too. So, um, and like you, my big deal, there's going to be no overlapping. Every band, yeah. you want to yeah. see every band, you can. So that's that's a big deal for me because I've we've all, we've all suffered that pain of having to oh, make yeah. a decision of, all Psycho of this Vegas. band or 20 minutes of this band or 20 minutes of that band. What are we going to do? And, and like Psycho Vegas, really, uh, for people like you and me, that really yeah. jaded and, and taught us 
like, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Planet as a Rock, obviously, I just use one venue and just do evening shows uh, yeah. and make it easy that way. We all have, I think, own niche to what these festivals are about and vibe. I, I feel kindred spirits with, with yours because uh, it's such great Southern hospitality down there. Likewise, you and I have the same uh, similar taste, I think, and stuff. So I, I my tickets are bought. Me and my high school buddies. Awesome. It's our third year. We just got to get the usual Airbnb set up, and we'll be there for every single night. Awesome. I felt like, I don't know what it was ever since COVID, I feel like the, the sun is like a regenerator of energy for me. That vitamin I D, baby. I yeah. didn't even get like tired and worn out. I mean, I, listen, I didn't start drinking beer, you know, until uh, mid-afternoon. Uh, God, I mix watering a lot, but, but I would smoke the fucking, you know, I'd smoke a bunch of bud uh, yeah. because there's any time's a good time to smoke bud yeah. when you're on vacation and you're listening to rock and roll. But, <laughs> man, the night comes down. And you're kicking it in. And I'll tell you, folks that are listening, you're on the fence. Um, the food was really good, too. And to give you an idea of the setup, it's you walk in, it's a big property. You look Jeez. right to the left, and you have the sec, what I call the second stage. And it's kind of like a little mini amphitheater kind of set up. Right? I wouldn't even call it amphitheater. That sounds almost too Under that massive, what? massive tree. All the shade, With everything. Big nice. massive yeah. tree giving you some shade. There's yeah. some, there's literally picnic benches kind of light up a little bit away from the stage, obviously. So there's room to be right there in front of the stage, rocking into the sides mm-hmm. are cool as well. And if you keep walking just straight out of the from the gate in, there's a bar inside. Yep. And it's you know, you set up a little tiny stage. <laughs> there's air, air conditioning, conditioning in there if you need a little, little tiny setup in there. You know, you're gonna be in little tiny. It'll be better. This yeah. Year. It'll be as high. A little better. Sure. Yeah. And, and inside, you know, you, you had a little stage in there as well. I saw some really trippy, you know, I saw, uh, you know, Rickshaw Billy's was yeah. a real trip. Mario, Bali, and the, and the, that whole Street thing Chalmers. was. Yeah. They're going to be playing just, in that room again. Yeah. That is just what, it, I mean, I can only be in there for so long. I did feel like it was a little like, woo, all right, so I got to go. So this year I'm only doing one show in there, and that's the rubber snake charmers are gonna close it out. It's gonna be a lounge area for the whole show, but one one show is them. Uh and also one thing I didn't mention at one show I'm really excited about is we're doing a Legends of the Desert jam session. So we're orchestrating that right now because there's a lot of legends there. Uh yeah. with the, obviously the Fatso boys and and Brant and Avon, Avon with Alfredo Hernandez, and yeah. uh, a lot of friends involved. And there's going to be nice. Of, it's going to be a, like I, I, I truly wanted something that will ne- that won't be seen anywhere else. And one thing I've learned is not many musicians are comfortable with getting up and doing something unrehearsed. But I've learned that all of these guys love it. And so it's like there's something different about that desert scene. And yeah. you know, there's people there's people not from that vein yeah. that love it too. And we're gonna mix it all in together. So it's gonna be a lot of people kind of I'm still kind of putting it all the pieces together. That's the thing I'm probably most excited. That's we're gonna shut that Saturday night. That's gonna shut down Saturday night. Uh, that's interesting, nice. and that, that'll change things up a little bit. That was a nice little area to go to get some air, uh, chill out for a little bit, get out of the sun. Yeah, and, and folks. When you walk, so when you walk onto the property, if you just look left way down, 
is this big ass stage that's, that's put up there. I'm talking like a pro fucking stage. Like it's not messing around like a, a festival where the stage is only you know four feet off the ground or whatever. This is set up and, and barricaded up. It's and, it's larger than the okay. ACL stages in Austin. The big, wow. It, it's larger yeah. than the ACL stage. It's massive. It's yeah, beautiful. It really wow. is impressive. And then they have great food trucks. Uh, gosh, I think it was like three. And, uh, you know, I we'll need a different one each day or different parts. We'll have those day. and more this year. Good. Always uh, bigger. Always bigger. Mm, like, nice. really? Yeah, there you go. Like, the food was really good, folks. And there's even across the street, uh, Shopping Plaza with a, a restaurant or two you can go to. You know, before the show, or if you want to take a quick break, literally just yeah. across the street. That, that was like so, everybody's meeting place, Torchy's Tacos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good spot too. That's why we ran yeah. into you guys, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a good time, and and you know, it's not right city center in the middle of Austin, but it's not far away. Meaning you could go stay there, and, you know, spend oh, whatever yeah. down there, and just Uber over. Or you can do like us. Yeah. We literally got a house five minutes from the property. Uh, so, yeah. for- I like so the location because we're south away from all – because Austin's got some crazy traffic because it's blown up yeah. uh, population-wise. So it's south. Mm-hmm. It's away from all of that. But it's like a 10 to 15-minute Uber ride. And if you want to like go to 6th Street or to downtown or yeah. or and see, and see all the Austin stuff. Or you want to go yeah. to uh, – you know some of the famous barbecue joints. You can, you know, they're they're it's all there. So it's nice. I love yeah. the location of that venue. I found a gym out there for sure. That, that place is awesome. I love that venue. The people are good. The beer's good. The food's good. The sound, that's massive to me. Some of the best sound around. So they got they got like best music venue in Austin, which is saying a lot. Like three years running now. So it's pretty it's pretty cool. What? How do you feel about the scene? right now and what do you see that can be some improvements in it uh it's, it's different uh, the scene has changed even in the last few, i mean covid changed everything right but mm-hmm. but but um i the, being the called the music capital of the world is a very lofty mm-hmm. uh moniker that i don't think austin should hold anymore and i'm, I'm saying that about my my place where we were from, you know, we, we, I just yeah. an Austin fan. Um, the music's still there. D- don't get me wrong. Like the bands, the quality, the talent, the amount of bands are massive, but unfortunately Austin's gotten so expensive. It's kind of priced the musician out. Mm. Uh, and yeah. we're seeing a lot of like the tribute and cover bands and kind of take, oh, uh, take man. the scene. Over. That, mm. There's still a lot of venues though. that are holding strong <clears throat> and, I'm always like, please go support, go support. But I mean, there's a lot of good bands uh, in Austin right. still. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you we mentioned saw a ton of ones from. Yeah. I mean, so many heavy psych uh, and stoner right. bands and yeah. retro. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, you know, from from Black Angels to Duel to Scorpion Shot. I mean, it's a lot of fucking great. I mean, yeah. uh, but w- when I ask about the scene, so you've given us a little micro. What about right. in the. Or, what about a bigger picture um, in the States? What, what's your what's your vibe on that? What's your feel on that? And then where do you think it's going? What you can improve in it? So I'm the consummate optimist. I'm always glass half full kind of guy. 
And right. I do feel that I mean, rock music has never been gone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it died in the sense where people weren't supporting it. Yeah, that's the point. Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen a resurgence, I feel, in that. Now, what's ironic is the resurgence, I feel like, is all the people like 40 years old plus. Absolutely. Yep. Coming out and doing it, you know, but mm -hmm. I think they're the ones feeling the desperation of, mm -hmm. fuck, this could be gone. Yeah. You know, like we, we need to go support this, you know, which is great because they are coming out and supporting and it's been awesome. And, and uh, so the amount of young people that come to our shows is, is, is far and few between. I always love the people who bring their kids that are of age and it's like, yes, you're treat, you're teaching them right. You know? Yeah. And, right. and we definitely did a lot more of that. I, I, I just think there needs to be a lot of, uh, I mean, the best way to fix it, of course, is, you know, for somebody to write an album that hits the top 40 charts. That's true rock and roll, you know, uh, of, of some well, kind. We got that right now. I know. Two it, bands. It's feeling Queen's great. Queen's Stone Age and Rival Sons. Yep. Sure. It's feeling really great. put together two very good albums uh, uh, that if it's given enough, you know, if they do an you know, I say airplay if it's given off airplay. Bottom line is air airplay is paid for. So yeah. if those labels, you know, do what they can and hire the right people and push it, um, they got the songs. They really did. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I think what's what's really good is what I'm seeing is like you, you said, right? I mean, 40 and above, you know, that that age range, it's it's also very fan driven right now. You know, the heavy yeah. rock scene I've been seeing, and that's how if you look at historically, if you look how scenes really got big, whether it was metal back in the 80s or whatever it was, it was initially all fan driven. And then, of course, the labels hadn't they, they couldn't not take notice right. and do something with it because they saw, OK, there's a lot of money involved in this that we That's could you know, possibly make. And so I think as long as I think the way it's going right now is absolutely outstanding. I mean, with having a Ripple Fest, you know, and just having even Ripple and all these other labels supporting and getting behind it you know and making it like i said fan driven from guys like you and john you know it's people within the scene now who are actually putting on all the shows you know you're not yeah. you don't have the big production companies doing that coming in because people are tired of paying the prices for live nation shit and all that stuff and everybody's right. tired of it i am and so yeah, i think I really yeah i think because it's fan driven i think that's what's really gonna continue to just drive and this scene's gonna continue to flourish that's just and my opinion yeah i agree and i think there's a sense of like uh like almost like a badge of honor or kind of like a just there's something about this being DIY. Yeah. And, exactly. And mm -hmm. and this 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 scene being completely all driven by people like John and myself and many others before us and with us right now that are DIY. Mm -hmm. Do it for the love of it. And uh there's a sense of ownership of being a part of that, you know, from for us, but I mean even for like the fans. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like like I think the reason why I see the same people all the time, they, they truly support. They feel like, Hey, we're, they do. we're going to say we were there from the beginning, you know, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, they, and they get it, you know? And, and I think I, that they feel the vibe and they enjoy it. I think that it's fascinating to see, like there's people that go to, that went to both ripple fest and, you know, planet as rock because they're really, really a lot different experience. And that's absolutely. what sometimes, and, and, and give they're it the good. desert, fest, New York, saving like such a dynamically different experience it may uh you know be a merry-go-round of some of the same bands at times 
Yeah, of um, course. Because, well, we could only have so many bands, you know, from the States uh, mm -hmm. that are able to go and go do shows and not yeah. as many from Europe. And, you know, Heavy Psych Sounds, which is an unbeatable label, Matt and I, mm -hmm. we, we sing their praises all the time. Unbelievable label to me. Pretty much got to put it right there with Ripple, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they're obviously a European-based one out of Rome. And then with Reese and what he does with Lo the Desert Fest, mm. uh, yeah, it, it's really it, – it, and then you go to Maryland Doom Fest, which yeah. has been an iconic thing uh, over there for like a decade plus. Obviously, outstanding bands uh, from yep. the Doom realm and some mm -hmm. stoner over there. Um you know, and they do it, you know, every year. And you even got New Mexico uh, clicking in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, May's not happened this year, but a variation of it is. Yeah. Yeah. Burke, Burke City. Um, yeah, we're, play we're playing that. It's going to be cool. Sweet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I, you know, New Mexico, I mean, that's a tough market to begin with. So that's a lot of balls mm -hmm. uh, yeah. for Brad, uh, you know, you know, for Ro Roman, Roman and those guys. Roman, he's he's doing right. it though, man. I love it. I mean, he's, he, yeah. he's a guy. He does it because he loves it. There's nothing, no yeah. other reason. Yeah, I mean, Roman yeah. lost his partner. I know. Yeah, he died. I, I know. And, uh, he's still still going at it. So yeah, you know, there there's a lot of people trying. And for people that are listening to this that don't go to anything, man, you are the greatest time going to these. You know, as long as you're not some recluse, like just hanging out in the corner and not doing anything. I mean, hell, last year we had some whacked out motherfucker. <laughs> and, it was, and it was That's, awesome. He became like the poster child of Ripple Fest <laughs> last year. Yeah. Nice. God, what a, I mean, it was, it was a little nerve wracking at times. Because, yeah. you are you know, I, I remember looking down at the yeah. ground and he was like laying on the, <laughs> yeah. on the ground, like moving around like. Take it in the sun, like ah, you know, it was very strange. I was always nervous, and then I talked to him, and he was completely coherent. So I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, this is this is how this guy vibes. I'm cool with it. Yeah, he messaged me for like a month or so after that on Instagram. I love it, and that's a story to that's gonna carry on forever, you know, for Ripple Fest. So yeah, yeah, Savage Tan too. We just couldn't give a shit either. It's like your shirt off, Matt. Just fucking walking around. I mean, I don't know what was going on, but it was better than the Sound Man on Acid. That's for sure. Exactly right, man. Exactly. There you go. But but man, we had this conversation in the van with with Fatso Jetson, you know, because they've played the big arenas and they've played the you know. 20 people club. So uh, we're, we, we all express a concern that the, the arena rock band is almost dead. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. uh, right now there's the bands that have been doing it. It's the beginning that are still doing it. Yep. But, um, but you know, we, there's some bands like, like, like I've got two bands from the Ripple Fest in King Buffalo and acid King that King acid King was on the billboards, you know, like, yeah, that's right. Was on the That's right. It was. Yeah. And then King Buffalo is blowing up. Be one of the fastest yeah, yeah. growing bands right now. Blowing up. Yeah. They're yeah. crossing over to the mainstream to everything. So mm -hmm. there's there there's hope. You know, I, I think yeah, that I, yeah. rock music has obviously never been weak. Uh, but if you if you knew where to look, mm -hmm. uh, and not yeah, and not the radio, the you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But laziness and, and and all that is it generates that at times. Yeah. But King Buffalo, 
Alden Witch is an elder. Exactly. They've all done something very, very special this last five, six years. Their arc has been very impressive. Yeah. I think what's happening also, I think psychedelic rock has uh, really gotten bigger. Yeah, um, you know, so some bands like Tammy and Paula, obviously bands like that that are just mm -hmm. some kind of psychedelic Black Angels. Um, I think... Yep with the age of Spotify has really helped because I think these bands are able to get on some of those playlists like that. And um, mm -hmm. these bands are playing in front of a lot more people now. Um, you know, Huge I saw list. elder, I saw elder play with 15 people once. So, you know, exactly. to see now they're playing in front of 600 and a sold out place in Denver. Um, yeah. and, and you have to have the music to back it up at the same time. Sure. And yeah, I think all three to. of them are different and cool. And, I mean, uh, some people will, will like, all right, I'll go to a show, you know, whatever. And they, they're going to have to be wild or they're not going back, you know. Mm -hmm. So they, they ha it has to be it has to be the right show, you know. It, there's all the – I always call them the gateway bands, you know, like like when someone's like, well, what are you talking about? You play heavy rock, stoner rock. What is that? I'm like, yeah. all right, here's Sasquatch. Listen to them. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's it. Here, it, it. They're like one of my favorite gateway bands. I'm like, this sounds like anything you – Absolutely, it should it should be on the record, you know, mm -hmm. or or you know, King Buffalo. I'll, that's another band. I'm like, like, well, this 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 kind of vibes, you know. I'm like, exactly, like, yeah, you know, it feels good, you know. It's not, yeah. Well, that stuff too is very accessible to everybody too. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not too doomy or whatever. It's it's you, you've got especially now you've got a lot of people, especially those jammy type bands, like you said, like the Elders and King Buffaloes. Yeah, and all them witches. I mean, they're doing all of which like, is extremely palatable, right? Super oh God, exactly. Right? And and they yeah, they're, they're you know a lot of we even saw it with uh, what is it, the Australian band King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. I mean, they sold yeah. out the the Hollywood Bowl for God's sakes. They sold out. I mean, yeah. so I think people liked that vibe. You, know, you got a lot of those, also a lot of those sort of people that were into like the psychedelic jam bands that enjoy those bands as well because they've got some longer songs too, and and just blending them together with just you know straight rock, you know, with it's just. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. I mean, there's so much in the scene right now. It's 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 thriving. It really is. It's just, what's, you know, it is. It, you know, what's helping is a lot of these bands that have been around that are resurfacing. You know, yeah, like, that too. You're right. You're wearing a Faith No More shirt, and those guys went and did a tour, and it exploded. You yeah. know, like yeah. there's, there's bands like that have been doing it forever that never really broke up, but just weren't mm. active and are active again. And that's, that's definitely helping a lot. And they're bigger now sometimes than ever. Some of these bands, they're saying yeah. it. They're like, we've never, you know, sold this. Yeah, because much. they've been gone way long enough. We're now the same people that came to the shows are bringing their kids. That's yep. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit of a trip. Yeah. yeah. yeah Mr. Bungle, which, you know, got zero airplay ever. And, you know, they just did, a, selling out pretty exactly. darn yeah. did a pretty darn successful tour with the Melvins and yeah. Spotlights, which is like a super cool band that cool band, I love yeah. is brand yeah. new to so many of mm -hmm. us. Uh, they've actually been around like five, six, seven years even. Yeah, but I've listened to them for a long time. They're great. They're great. Yeah. Wow. I haven't. <laughs> and, and so when I, when I got turned on by this album, I was like, holy moly, that is yeah, good stuff. super super cool yeah. it, it's really fascinating that the upside we have in this country uh for music um of all ages it, you know it's funny i in facebook there's all these different groups right uh where you can join uh -huh. you know, doom group stoner group and some of them are band groups and so yeah. i'm a member of king buffalo and of all them witches and that's another one i'm trying to remember and I'll pop on, I'll go in there quite a bit. And there's people that have no idea 
zero idea about Stoner Rock or Heavy Psych. None. Like, it, they wow. just stumbled upon us. And uh, this guy, Bill Curls, uh, he lives up in New York. He, he helps moderate a lot of those things. I will uh, watch him, and he'll, he'll pop some stuff on there that he's heard or seen or you know, possibly on my page or just knows about also. And I'll put some stuff on there, and people are like, oh, cool. I have yeah. no idea. And, yep. and I just think there's just so much upside. It, it's organic, obviously, more than anything. There's some there's some buttons to be pressed along the way that can help. Um, I, I, I'm optimistic, but man, it, it's a I'll, I'll always it's a rough you, game. <laughs> the, the roughest part of it is is because I, I think the biggest enemy to uh, it being successful is just pure laziness. Yeah. Um, you know, of, of, of what we're experiencing right now. Just people like, mm, not going to get out, not going to do it, whatever. Or yeah. even, you know, unfortunately economy is a big part of it. We, I experienced yeah. that in Europe, you know, like we're, mm -hmm. we're playing in Europe and cause in Europe, it's not like here, you know, you, you can drive 30 miles and be a completely different currency, language, culture, everything. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Whoa, it's not where I just came from. So it, I... you, you feel it, but you're feeling that in the States too. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's, 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 it's rough. We're going to have to bounce back in a lot of ways, but you know, I think before this show came on, Matt and I talked about the whole, like kind of like a pendulum swinging and, mm -hmm. and right now the pendulum is kind of way up here and it's still kind of going up, but it's, it's going to come back. I mean, it's I, gotta, yeah. everything is cyclical. It, it'll I, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm very excited that, that rival sons of Queens of Stone Age both put out very good quality albums uh, yeah, we know Queens of Stone Age, half the crowd's going to hate, half's going to like it, of the, the old school crowd. But, I mean, they got a lot of different demographic that likes them. I mean, the ladies definitely are far more into those kind of bands uh, uh, at a higher rate than are the art of, you know, some other stuff. And so, in the end, they're fucking hard rock bands. And Stoner Rock, in case you didn't know, most of the time it's hard rock. It's really not metal. Mm-hmm. Stoner Rock is hard rock, and it's just been rebranded. And in some ways, I fucking hate the term. Like we all do, you know. But between three of us, we go Stoner Rock, and we go like, yeah. yeah. Other people they'll say that to us to kind of try to make us feel bad. It's a it's a bad. It's not it's a greatest a, name to to market that kind of sound. Let's, let's put it, it that is. way. Yeah, it's exactly. Not. <laughs> but how do you get rid of it? How do you change it? That's why we try to say heavy rock all the time. That's what I try. So I don't say Stoner Rock. I try to say heavy yeah, rock, that's, you know. Yeah. One of the big reasons earlier when you asked me about what kind of music you can expect from this next record, we are mm -hmm. trying, we're not trying to get away from the Stoner Rock label. We just know that our music is not not Stoner Rock. Yeah. Stone <laughs> it all is where it's just a big wide umbrella. But we mm -hmm. are, it's it's heavy rock and roll. That's heavy yeah. rock and roll. So because that's we what that's what Stoner Rock is. Yeah, exactly. It, it's rock it's is. comical. Exactly. It's yeah. comical. There's some blues undertones. Yep. It's yeah, it's so comical when someone says that so dismissively. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean Stoner Rock? And I'll just stop. I'll get all serious. Like, tell me, like, what do you mean? Like, what does that sound like? <laughs> who, who are you referring to? And, you know, they think they're smart. Because they come up with a label. A lot of people think they're a lot smarter than they really are. I, you found that out over these oh, last yeah. three, four years, particularly COVID times, as you have a lot more time to yourself and a lot more time to see people. 
people and how they react and think. You find out a lot of people that you thought were smart, they're not as smart. <laughs> they think yeah. they are because they stereotype and box things in and all that. I, I'm a little more critical thinker, I guess. And But when you say that Thunder Rock thing and you go, well, what is that exactly? Well, you know. I go, I'm not asking if I knew. Yeah. Oh, you know, so yeah. Black Sabbath. I'm like, yeah. I mean, Black well, Sabbath, so Planet Caravan sounds the same as Supernaut. And Paranoid sounds the same as Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man. I mean, nope. what are you like? You know, like literally Black Sabbath is so different than the, than what people typicalize oh, Black Sabbath that it's from, an ignorant thing to begin with just to say that. From and album to album say, and sometimes song to song. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. It, you know, for musicians, they're like, well, you know, it's the drop, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, they'll talk about some chord and this. The tuning. Like, okay. Yeah. But for, you know, seven out of 10 of us, we're not musicians. So that shit doesn't matter. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're not well, the insider going, oh, man, they're just doing this again. You well, know what I mean? I'll tell you from my angle, the Stoner Rock moniker, the reason why it gets a negative connotation to me is because, you know, my day job is I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yes, you can smoke weed. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden the band is getting uh, a little name for right. itself. True. And I, no, you're right. and, and I'll have people go like, Search on the internet. You're on the Stoner Rock? Like, <laughs> Brian, it says Hydra's Queen is uh, American Stoner Rock. <laughs> oh, what man. Is, what is yeah. that? I'm like. I don't uh, know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a genre that we just got lumped into, you know, because yeah. you kind of have to do that. It's just part of it. I, I yeah. have no problem with any of it. And you start getting into that aspect. And there's people like you said, John, the people that don't know have are almost unwilling to learn or yeah. see past, yeah. mm -hmm. see past the word. Stone. Yeah. They feel like they're relieved by just saying that. So they don't have to think about it anymore. Right. Uh, they don't have to consider it. They don't have yep. to, you know, it, it makes I, life I can easier. Go back to my Instagram feed, the other stuff. Thinking about that anymore. I have a couple of friends that were over not too long ago. Um, it's in my place that I'll do like a little happy hour, like a little uh, pregame as I call it before going over uh, the Count's Vamp for a show. And I have a balcony that overlooks, you know, mm -hmm. part of the city. And, uh, these two are very, were very insistent, uh, guy and a girl that, you know, there's just not that good of music being made anymore. And I just can't get into it. And, and I tell them like, you can't get into what they keep giving you. And I'm exactly. like, if you heard the stuff that I'm in tune with, I think you'd think different. And sometimes like, well, well why isn't it? You know, played more than why don't people well, know about? Well, that's what it is. Most people are, are used to being spoon fed. It, you know what I mean? You know their whole lives. They're not used yeah. to like us. Validation. They're enthusiasts. Yeah, they're enthusiasts that to the point where they're just going to keep going out and searching. They want it, maybe new music, but they want it sort of giving it to them because they're used to the radio, used to MTV back in the day or whatever it may be. And yeah. so, yeah, you know, and I think they yeah. want it validated. The they don't want it just from yeah, some yeah, exactly. dude. Yeah. Some dude, you know, thinks it's good doesn't mean I have to think it's good. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I know I go through that. I mean, literally as a promoter, yeah. part of the reason why I don't do a lot of shows there anymore uh, is th there's a certain aspect that's just grinding that, you know, oh, yeah. you, you, you tell people about it and they're like, who the fuck are these bands? 
I'm like, listen, mm. they're good. You got to trust me. You know, I don't bring bad news. Yeah, okay. You know, and you and you start feeling dissed all the time. And, you know, you try to just get people that like rock and roll to go to shows, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just, they just won't do it a lot of times. Sometimes you get people involved. Once you get them to shows, they go, oh, okay, that was fucking good. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. But other times they're like, just because some dude tells me they're good doesn't mean anything, you know, yeah. because yeah. we're programmed to be validated by, like you said, Matt, MTV or the radio or, or now, something. or now by the amount of likes or shares, yeah, or followers, listens, sure. and followers. That, yeah. That's what that's what validates now. Because even yep. hell, I'll have kids who my students will Google me, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're in a band." And no matter what, they're gonna think that's cool. My band could suck, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, my teacher's in a band," you know. But, right. but then I I see them right away, like, "Oh, this is this only got ten thousand views." Well, like already, I can yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. I'm like, that's fucking 10,000 views. That's, that's a lot of views. That's a lot of views. It's up and coming. Sorry. Yeah. It's It's a struggle, man. It's a fucking struggle. Even people, you know, in my age group, you know, they look at it in, in, you know, people that are in their, let's say, 40s and 50s, particularly mid 40s uh, to mid 50s. We're really lucky. And I, I think, you know, what I talk about that a lot is I, I, I feel so fortunate to, to be a, a little kid in the 70s, to be a teenager in the 80s when metal was king. I mean, literally, it yeah. was on MTV all over. It, it was, MTV helped fuel it, loved it. Record labels got more behind it. MTV was great until it was called racist. And then it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Everything had to change. And then all was they started getting fucking pussy metal instead. All the hair metal started kicking in. And when I went to college, which was in the late eighties, guess what band I listened to the most of any was REM. There you go. Yeah. I switched. That's when I was listening to them at that, at that same time. I just was, I was just younger. But you listened to some of that other REM later on, but the early REM, which was the, that mid late eighties stuff. Um, if you ever, you know, eponymous, which is a great yeah. section that, that kind of brings record, that, I think, eponymous. No, it, it, what that was was that was a almost greatest hits of those first. Oh, that's right, that's right. Three or four I'm, albums. I'm yeah, out of time, and it was that's all right. Record, and this and, is like literally, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, early REM, they were a college band. They they, they got huge on college right. radio. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. college radio turned into alternative it rock. Did, yeah. exactly. Alternative yeah. rock turned into 120 minutes and alt nation, you know, yep. all this other stuff. And, and it got my, and yeah. things got my exactly. And that, and so the nineties were the last great rock generation to me yeah, because we had everything like, um, you know, yes. grudge was kicking tool, rage, this machine, Caius helmet. Yeah. Those, but then you had just regular good bands like Toadies, Gin Blossoms, which I know I said Gin Blossoms, Matthew Sweet, Urge yeah, Overkill. I listened to the Gin Blossoms back at Soul Asylum, all those bands back in the mm-hmm. day, you know? Like, that was I was big in the 90s. That, that was, that yeah, was, yeah. That was I what mean, you listened but, to, you know? But it was actually rock and roll on the radio where you could actually hear new music on the radio. Yeah. Um, at yeah. a new rock station. Now new rock stations, you know, yes. it, it's they just pepper in whatever the management company or record labels have put together along with the radio promoter person who gets paid thousands of dollars to work with these programmers. Yeah, I know right. all the that's inside right. goods guys. I have no yeah. bands who do this and yeah. it's all a fix. It's nothing to do with how good your music is. 
Other than started with that whole TR. Spend the money. Yeah, to spend money. It's all payola. It's still payola to this minute more than ever possible. Oh, I I know. I get I literally got hit up the other day. Hey, I really like your music. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, and man, why are you guys not bigger? I'm like, oh, you know, working on it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey, well. I have a radio station out here and I want to play you guys. I'm like, oh, it's so cool, man. It's rad. You send us, can you send me a track? Yeah, here's the Spotify link. That's so cool. And it this went on for like two days. And then it was like, yeah. okay, so it's $60 to have your song played you know, for a day. It's it's a hundred dollars <laughs> for that. Give me all these levels. I'm like, what? No, no man. I'm, I'm, no. No. What 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 kind of uh was it a regular FM station? Yep. Huh. FM independent, station. probably. Of, probably an independent because out, out of Connecticut somewhere. I'd never right. heard of it. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. It's probably an yeah. independent station because the other ones are owned by just like two companies, primarily, maybe a third sometimes. And they now have just regional programmers. So literally there's less people for the radio promoters, you know, that are that are doing yeah. the payola. They literally could just contact these regional guys and uh, you know transactions or put in front of them to make sure they like them and you know they give them a, a little little menu of a few of them and then next thing you know yeah. it's getting played some you know it off hours a little bit and it just works its way through i've watched literally a band go from this to this to this i was even the guy who had to go um kind of do the outreach to the djs or the programmers to talk yeah. to them about it uh, mm-hmm. a little bit and you know I love getting experiences like that. I didn't get paid jack shit hardly at all, like hundred bucks a week. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. man, it gives you a real perspective on this whole thing. And, and you know, you, me, Ryan, and Matt, we know our labels are never doing anything like that. They're no. never taking a risk. They're no, never putting no. money out no. for their bands no. like that. Oh. Um, Smallstone did something really good for a while, though. Smallstone had a music manager that died, yeah. and he he got shit on TV shows and stuff. And TV and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah, Sasquatch told me about yeah. that. They have all their stuff on there. Yeah, but yeah, Freedom Hawk was even on some stuff too. Yeah. But man, on the last last episode I watched with y'all had Riggs on, he made an amazing point that I was like, he put it in like words that made so much sense, and uh, he talked about how like. When I was a, when he was a kid, when I was a kid, it was all about getting that record contract. You know, it was about mm-hmm. getting that record contract because yeah. you had it. Now you're set. It's mm-hmm. not that that kind of. There's still record contracts, but they don't mean what they used to be. So that kind of went away. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer. You're no longer playing for that anymore. You know, you, you you're literally Absolutely. playing for the love of it, and that's why I feel like the bands that are around that are working are good because mm-hmm. they love it. They're not. They're not writing. There's really no point for us to write a song like, "Hey, I'm going to try to write a hit." Exactly. You know, like yeah. there's mm-hmm. there's no point in that anymore, really. You know, it's it's yeah. it's, it's kind of gone. Uh, it's all kind of made in a factory right now, pretty much. You know, pretty much uh, the hits. You know, and so it's he, he put it in an interesting way. Well, that's kind of gone, and now yeah. you're doing it for the love of it and for the community, and you're kind of playing for each other. And, you know, and, and I think with vibes that are good like that, something good is going to come out of that. And you know, I think it, it has. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's it's definitely I've if I've hit, reached my pinnacle and I just did a six week tour in places I would have never thought I'd see in the world, then that's awesome. So be it. Yeah, you know, sure. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm totally okay with that. And, you know, but hopefully the bands behind us, you know, get to something bigger and better and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. that's all we're trying to do is help that. 
Speaking of that, what are some bands? I know we've been on here a while with you, but what are some bands you're really, really digging nowadays that maybe are up and coming or whatnot? Well, I mentioned Rickshaw Billy's Burger Patrol earlier. Uh, they're 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 so rad because mm, yeah. it's yeah. it's unusual to find a band. I feel like now that fits our quote unquote genre that we've been talking about, Umbrella, but is so unique. They don't sound like, I mean. You can find like uh, a little bit of Weezer, a little bit of uh, like uh, Fu Manchu. There were like Weezer stuff. on fucking an eight ball or something. I don't <laughs> yeah. know it's it's, it's Weezer on it with an yeah. eight string fucking guitar. Is yeah, there you go. <laughs> and an eight ball. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. It right? is. It really it's is. It's nuts. But there's a band in Germany that you, I, I, I'm 99% sure you're already aware of, John. They're called plain drifter oh, uh, yeah. so that record is so good so uh good. and i can't stop listening to it and we've got a chance to play with them three times now because yeah. i reached out to like his play a show and i got a chance to hear them we played a show with them in this real small german town and i got to hear them play like three new songs that they're doing and i was i was blown away it's it's I don't want to call it a poor man's elder. That's a because that's not but, giving it the credit it deserves. But it's I hear you. It is. It's it's very much in the elder vein, but with Matt, like really cool vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like Matt. What I would say is, is they fall under the new wave of heavy psych. Okay, like, I agree. Fully, okay. like like yeah. weed peckers in there as well. You yeah, know, peckers, uh, enough, and, yeah. But but Plain Drifter really does. It, it's like that mix of elder and King Buffalo. Something's going on there. Totally big fan of that album. It was a top 50 for me. That's very cool. Yeah, it's a nice mention there, Ryan. I like that. Nice, nice. Very good. What else? Um, Galpa. Nice. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Only because I saw the, I, I saw them live. We played with them in Sweden. And I was like, holy shit. Who is this? Uh, it's Bjork with sounding vocals with heavy riffs. But... Not just that, they're incredible musicians. They, they have really good dynamics in their music, and it's very well written. So mm-hmm. I was very impressed with them. Um, and, the, and here we're, we're, we're touching, like, different parts of the world right now. You know, I'd be an Austin band. I'm giving you a German band and now, like, a, a Swedish band. But yeah. um, another band that I got to see that in Italy, uh, a Mr. Bison, I was oh, blown sure. away by those guys. Yeah, in general. I was blown yeah. away by those guys. Mm-hmm. That is and a I was Planet already Desert a fan Rock. of them. You know? Yeah, great band. Yeah, yeah here you go. Planet Desert Rock already Weekend Alumni. I've seen them live. So good. And super cool band. And then, of course, there's bands that I really hope they're honing it in. Like, I know you, you've seen Good Eye because they're, they're an Austin band mm-hmm. that I've had at Ripple Fest uh, twice. They're going to be here again. Uh, well, I guess they did the pre-party the first year. They played last yeah. year. They're going to play again this year. Uh, they've written some new music that I've had a chance to hear. They're, they're trying to get so they their bass player was Aaron from Rickshaw Billy's Burger Patrol, but they're touring like crazy now, so they're making a move. And but uh, they're a band that I think that is so unique as well that I think is really really good that, that people need to hear. If they just hear it, they would like it. Yeah, nice, fantastic, yeah, they fantastic. Are good. They are good. Awesome. It- yeah, and you know the scene is so dynamic. Villagers of Iona Nina City, what an unbelievable oh, yeah, experience! Right. What they are, 
Uh, I would love to get them over here. It's just so expensive, and mm-hmm. uh, yep. no one's rich here. Very good them. dynamic band. I mean, it, yeah, it, it really phenomenal. shows you can, in our scene, you can go from that to all the way over to Witch Skull. Yeah. You know, which is stoner metal, which appeals to metalheads and appeals to stoner rock people, heavy rock people. Uh, I, I think I just think our scene has everything for everyone. Uh, if you're rock, and that's why you know, that's why this is all I listen to. Like I listen to zero FM, and yeah, Sirius same. XM mm-hmm. is missing the boat, or or whatever they want to call themselves, missing the boat by not having a channel that has all this stuff on it. Like it's so think it's about how much music over. they could have on it. Yeah. yeah, and it'd be cheaper from the do it even yep. licensing and everything else. And so it's just it's really a big. A big heavy rock is a world thing, and uh, it's, yes. it's it's in a great state as far as artistry is concerned. Uh, much to many people's dismay, or other people, they're like, everything's mediocre, everything sucks, everything, nothing's like this. You know, yeah. everything's about attitude. That's the way I look at it. And, uh, yep, I look at it in a way as music is good for you, mm-hmm. real good for you. Yeah. you Absolutely, go. man. So you before we wrap it up, guys, I want to just uh, Ryan talk real quick about the brewery and dive tour part one. I know we talked about this before we started, man. I think it's a great concept. Go ahead. You, you obviously touring with uh, the split guys you did with their blue heaven, as you've been talking about before. So go ahead and talk about this tour. Yeah, this is an idea I had for a while that um, I'm a beer hound. Uh, I, I have what's called a Cicerone, which is like the equivalency of a sommelier to wine, but for beer. And I've always been kind of a beer hound. I, I love trying new beers and things. And and uh, I thought it'd be cool a long time ago to play a show at breweries just, just because I like the beer. And then, lo and behold, we do this tour with Sasquatch where we play at three different breweries. And they... They paid us better. They fed us better. And they gave us a lot more beer than a few drink tickets. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is definitely something we need to do. And uh, it, it's a little difficult to book because not every brewery in every city plays this kind of music. Uh, and are, they're not always open seven days a week and with hours that accommodate or would have stages. So it became brewery and dive tour to kind of fill the gaps. Yeah. And uh, the idea is we are going to film a documentary. Uh, that's why it's called Tour Part One. We'll do as many parts as we can over the next few years. Uh, we're going to film a documentary of us going to the breweries. Because uh, even in the towns, we don't even the shows, we don't play a brewery. Like we'll, we're going to, I've already organized like going to one or two breweries to taste a beer, tour it, uh, assess the beer, talk about, you know, what's our favorites, what we like, what we don't like interview some of the people, you know, show some live footage, all that kind of stuff. I think there's definitely in this genre, when we keep using the word genre, but in our scene, uh, it's a niche scene where people, I, people that like our music for the most part, like beer. And I think that there, there's definitely going to be an audience for this. Uh, I know I would, it was something that I'd be like, I'd watch that. So I'm into it. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited about doing it. Uh, we kept it short. I mean, two weeks is, is not short for some people, but uh, it'll be like a good kind of test run of how this works. But we have already in our heads, I've kind of mapped out doing it to the Midwest, doing it to the West Coast, doing it up East and like doing it to the Gulf Coast. And, you know, that's part one, two, three, four and five, whatever that we could have. And Mm -hmm. like a little mini episode, mini series of, of episodes of us doing this. And so 
I'm uh, really excited about it. I, I love getting on the road so I can get on the stage again and lose myself on stage. But but uh, it'll be a little easier to lose myself with some good beer too. I think so. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it'll be fun. <laughs> oh yeah. So are you uh, are you an IPA guy or what? What are you? What's your? So no, I I I like I love crushers and stouts. Crushers being like okay. Your, your lagers, your pilsners, your colches. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're, you're, I do like a good ale. Uh, I'm a stout guy. I love a good stout. Um, so we're going to try. I really have learned to appreciate IPAs. I've, I've never really, been, I don't like the bitter. Uh, okay. Always, always felt like I used to make a joke that, uh, which is true, but that 80% of your taste bud uh, receptors are bitter. And do you guys happen to know? why 80 percent of your taste buds are bitter receptors i don't know because everything in nature that is poisonous is bitter and so i think that we've actually we inher inherently mm. learned that oh, that doesn't sure. mean you shouldn't drink beer that's right the hoppy sure. but it's a bitter the ibu the bitter receptor yeah uh, i've started to appreciate it because when you start doing this you have to like no no understand like oh that's a west coast mosaic hop mm -hmm. or that's a that's a saws hop or whatever you know like you you, you respect what people are doing sure. but i also work at a brewery at times and uh the old adage is if they screwed up the beer like it didn't come out right just throw a shit ton of hops in it and people call it an ipa okay. people will drink it <laughs> it is true man it is true it's what happens but but uh yeah so I, I like good clean crisp lager and then i also like some good good heavy stouts so uh but i do appreciate the ipa to answer that question mm -hmm. cool very cool i just bought a 12 pack of line and kugel summer shandy oh yeah i've had that mm -hmm. god that is a good that. summer beer. midwestern midwestern that's beer. a good I river love... beer we, we like drink that when sitting on the river oh there man it, it's just so crisp it's so good for a hot summer I, I went to try to get some uh, before the 4th of July weekend, and they were out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. what? <laughs> but today I yeah. went to the grocery store and got it. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know what it is. I do, I like the crisp, more Pilsner uh, kind of styles. Yeah. But I've opened, I've opened up my varieties a little bit more as the as the beer thing has been mm -hmm. happening, you know. Well, one of my goals. Oh, wow, yeah. One of my goals in the documentary is I'll teach you about all different kinds of beers. That's part of it. There you go. I have to figure out and find if there's ever a brewer around here that would have enough room for a band. I'll have to yeah, look around. Arts we, District we has a couple things. Add Vegas to it, but even if we don't play an actual brewery, you know, like yeah. like we're playing in some towns, like, like some dive we bars. Played a show right? in Vegas. We a mm -hmm. dive bar. We would hit the hit the brewery during the day. Yeah, try it out whatever, and then try to get one of my you know light bulb ideas too is yeah. that hey we're playing your town we're doing a brewery tour do you want to do a tap takeover and we get free beer but do a tap takeover uh to have your beer there and make the documentary so it, it's there's cool. a bunch of marketing ideas yeah. that can that can work with this so we'll talk see. offline there could be some stuff we could do here know. in vegas right you on. never know right i on. think Fantastic. yeah all right Absolutely. Awesome. Like, awesome. thanks ryan for coming in and yeah out. yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I love it. I love y'all show. And so I, I'm watching it a lot. Uh, John always sends me the links and I keep doing that because I keep watching nice. it. And uh, I appreciate all y'all do for the involved in it, man. So I really thank y'all a lot. Yeah. Well